When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As of right now, we are at war. How desperate You call on such lost creatures to defend you. How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very desperate. You might not be glad that you did. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people if they can become something more. Like the battles that we never Welcome to Fury's Finest, a podcast devoted to discussion of Marvel Crisis Protocol and the Marvel Universe. My name is Jesse Aiken, and it's just me this week, because this is a special episode that does not actually involve Chris and I. Well, it involves me. But long story short, Jacob from Xavier Protocols and the Danger Room asked me to join him for his Illuminati session number two. That is year two of Marvel Christ Protocol, and he gets a Illuminati group together, which is a group of content creators and community members of the Marvel Christ Protocol community together to discuss everything MCP. So of course, in this episode, we discuss the last year of Marvel Christ Protocol, the present state of Marvel Christ Protocol, and the future of Marvel Christ Protocol, and the things that we are looking forward to the most in this game. Of course, this is led by Jacob of Xavier Protocols, and I am there representing Fury's Finest. But there are so many other great content creators and community members on this episode. AJ, who is a TTS League organizer, is there representing Australia. We have Seva from the Capital Crisis Podcast representing Canada. We have Dave, that's Utility Cookie from the Discord from the Netherlands, who's also a writer on the Across the Bifrost Network. We have Danny, who is part of the Professional Casual Network. And we have Aaron from the UK, who is the Web Warriors Protocols writer. And we have Lexa White, the host of the Morlocks podcast. I hope you enjoy this special episode of Fury's Finest. Of course, if you don't follow the Danger Room or everything Jacob does at Xavier Protocols, Check out Xavier Protocols for all your dice, math, and technical statistics of Marvel Christ Protocol, but also check out The Danger Room for competitive-minded discussion on Marvel Christ Protocol. And if you haven't checked out all these content creators and community members I just listed, please check them out. Listen to what they have to say in this episode. I think we had a great discussion, a lot of great insight here about where the game was, where the game's at, and where the game's going in the future. I hope you enjoy this show, and Chris and I will return next episode with a very special character episode. Cheers. 
Hello and welcome to the Illuminati issue two. This is our second annual recording of a whole load of different content creators and people in the community all brought together to think about the game Marvel Crisis Protocol and share some views on it. So uh, do you want to introduce ourselves? Aaron, why don't you lead us off? Yeah, so um, my name's Aaron. I run the Web Warrior Protocol site. So I started that probably about three, four months ago now. So it just has a lot of posts about tactics, um, roster building, and sort of my own experiences at events. Locally, I've run a couple of events. I'm aiming to run a few more um, here in the UK at Boarding Brum. And I also run a group called the Illuminati, which is sort of our local gaming group. So, uh, yeah, that's that's what I do. Dave. Right, my name's Dave, uh, known as Utility Cookie on the, the Discord and online. Uh, I write some articles for across the Bifrost Nexus, uh, mostly uh, roster building. Uh, you may have read uh, the Black Order article we've, read, we've written. Uh, and locally here, I uh, help organize some tournaments to uh, get the local scene growing. Sava. Cool. Uh, so my name is Sava. I'm a part of the one of the hosts of the Capital Crisis Cast. We're a podcast uh, started about a year ago. We're uh, in uh, Ottawa, Canada, and we occasionally head out to some of the areas around here, Montreal, Toronto, and uh, that's me. Hey, Jay. Hi. Um, I'm one of the TTS League admins. I have no podcast to speak of. Um, and locally, I would like to run things, but unfortunately, we've just come out of lockdown and it's been a year of cancelling everything. So hopefully that all starts up soon. That's me. Jesse. My name is Jesse and I am one of the hosts of Fury's Finest. We started before the game launched and we've kept it going. And our goal of our podcast is to create content for players of all levels, all excitement for the game and create evergreen content about characters not only in the lore but of course in the game so you can just jump around where you see fit and find content on our podcast but other than that we i do some local stuff here in tulsa oklahoma we just we run events and things like that i've actually got an event next weekend which will be really fun um because yeah things have finally lifted here as well so we can actually do tournaments it's it's a crazy thing Danny. Hi, I'm Danny. Um, I'm part of the Professional Casual Network, and we have two Marvel Crisis Protocol shows. On Mondays, we do, um, oh yeah, the Power Phase, which is like a live playthrough. And then on Thursdays, we do our podcast, Wait, Did I Roll a Wild, um, where we kind of talk about news, games played, and that sort of thing. I'm newish to the scene, and uh, we like, you know, the Professional Casual Network. We're as casual as it gets when it comes to Marvel Crisis Protocol. So it's a good time. And last but my name is least, Lexa. Hello, I am uh, Lexa White, uh, the lead for the host of the Morlocks podcast, a life experiment show about finding new homes for the lost and forgotten characters of Marvel Crisis Protocol. On top of that, I also have written a number of articles on Across the Bifrost, um, mostly speculative uh, kind of possibility uh, space stuff, as well as being the lead coordinator for one of the many locations in the Seattle scene of Marvel Crisis Protocol. Wonderful. And just in case you haven't seen me before, uh, my name's Jacob. Uh, I run the Xavier Protocols blog. I'm also on the Danger Room podcast. Uh, so you can find me in any of those places. Uh, so we're going to break it down into roughly three sections, looking at the past, the present, and looking ahead to the future. So starting with the past, we're going to look maybe over the last year. So I'm going to come, Sever, I'm going to come to you first. Uh, the last year with lockdowns and, and COVID happening, what's what's it been like round by you 
for crisis protocol in the last year? Well, for us, it's been, we've had some sort of openings where we could get some games in. We, uh, once we, once the vaccination started going, we were able to have some small get togethers, but it was, it's never been at a store. We, it's only just now happening that we're opening up the stores and having events there, but we've had games locally with a couple of friends. We have a pretty strong local meta, a very easy to find a, a game any day you want. And, uh, we also did a lot of TTS for a while, but, uh, after, uh, once we start being, start being able to head out and actually see people in person, that's died down a little bit for us. Mm. Danny, what about Round by You? Um, we actually were super lucky. Our local game store um, was the owner of that store was kind of in our like pod of quarantine buddies. Um, mm-hmm. So we were still able to play a lot in person um, because it's really just a core of like four or five of us who are playing currently. Um, so we were able to get into the store and even when they were closed, it was actually kind of beautiful because we had full run of the store and full run of the space. So we could kind of have like different spots set up. Um, so we got really fortunate that we were able to play a lot, but with a really limited group of people that we could play with. Dave, what about over in the Netherlands? Uh, well, it's been on and off with the lockdowns here. Uh, so uh, we started uh, coming out of lockdown for a while now. Uh, so it has been growing. Uh, in two or three weeks, we have an event with uh, 10 new players. So uh, it's, it's uh, quite a lot. Uh, hopefully that will continue to grow. Uh, but the COVID numbers are uh, turning pretty bad again here. So <laughs> we'll see if that event can uh, can happen if we have to cancel it. But uh, it's been uh, slowly but steadily growing. Uh, Alexa, what about on, on your coast of the States? Um, we've been very lucky. Uh, basically since we opened, uh, since we got to do our first, um, uh, in-person event back in August, we've been able to do it as kind of a weekly open play. Um, while we haven't managed to get any of like the bigger organized play kits going, we've had a fairly consistent showing for our open play and we're averaging four to 10 people a week, which is really nice. Brilliant. Jesse, what about Round by You? I guess I'm representing the Midwest here in the United <laughs> States. So it was actually, we had a similar situation that someone was speaking on earlier where it was like all our stores were closed. You know, Covenant's here. They were closed. They still are closed. And that was our home store. So we had to kind of pivot as well. So after we were in lockdown for quite some time, we did have three or four of us get together in the little social bubble, get some local games. But other than that, we haven't had much of anything till recently, till late September, early October. So it's still very fresh for us, especially a lot of the players that got into the game during lockdown, which turns out was a large population of this game. So it's been very exciting and it's been fun just to have people come to a store and, you know, tell them it's a tournament, but really it's just, we're all playing and having fun. You know, it's not some hyper competitive element here, you know, because we just want people to play. Aaron, what about your neck of the woods? Yeah, so here in the UK, we've been super lucky in my sort of area. So this weekend's the first weekend where there hasn't been an event on the Saturday, I don't think. There's one up in Durham, which is quite far from me, but for every weekend for the last two, three months, there's been an event within an hour of where I live. So it's been really good. Um, my local local gaming shop's got a really, really healthy crowd, so there's probably, on a Tuesday, we usually get eight or nine games going now. Um, and we've started working through all the ultimate encounters, all of the organized mm-hmm. play kits as well, which has been pretty cool. So 
it's, it's been really good. And I, I think it's just growing. It's just sort of really taken off and got quite large, which is just amazing. And AJ, about round down your way. Um, Australia has been a little bit sadder. The last event I ran and the year look was looking very promising off the back of that was Deadpool's um, arrival party in April. Deadpool never arrived to his party. <laughs> but that's a whole nother conversation. Yep. <laughs> and that, that, that was that was looking really promising. And it was, you know, the stores we had like in-store practices and people were starting to slowly come into that. And then, bam, 100 days of lockdown. And we're just kind of coming out of that. And I, I'd had like four or five events planned and they're all just being cancelled. So it, it's been a little bit of a false start here physically. But you know what? TTS League has taken off and we're slowly mm-hmm. starting to coax more people into that. So that's a good thing, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, 2021 is a bit of a write-off for um MCP physically in Australia. I mean, there are some pockets in, say, like Western Australia where they they haven't been affected as well. Um, I think Brisbane is doing okay, but Victoria and New South Wales are just. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's let's try and turn it on something a bit more positive. Although there sounds like there's some really amazing growing communities in different parts, that's really pleasing to hear. Yeah, Um, like there's 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 lots of pockets pockets of people that are that want to play. We just can't get out and play (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i want to think about uh the release schedule over the past year and i'm not talking so much here about the the delays that different parts of the world may have experienced i'm thinking about kind of the the pace that amg was going at in releasing models how did you feel about that uh did you feel maybe it was too fast or too slow or were you able to buy all of the models uh have you maybe started off buying all of them and then had to scale it back i'm just interested to dig into what different experiences have been around how quickly uh those models have been coming out i'm going to go to i'm going to alexa first on this one so i really enjoyed how quickly stuff was coming out um i was keeping up with the models just fine um but i've also specifically made it a point in my local meta that I am bringing every character every week so that if anyone ever wants to try someone or we have new players who want a teaching game, I have everyone available. Um, and so I, I've kind of hoisted myself on that, on that financial burden, but I, I enjoyed how quickly it was coming out as just as an experimenter. Um, there were, so many shiny new toys to play with in a way that felt like I was going to be eternally satisfied, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't a time where I thought about, well, I was getting bored of the game because there wasn't enough. I, I had tried all the stuff I wanted to do. And I like that feeling of, of having this, there being a little bit more going on than the stuff that you want to get done. Mm, brilliant. Um, let's go to AJ. What about from in Australia? I know you've had some significant fly issues, so maybe your answer is going to be a bit different. We haven't. Well, recently, like in the last month, we've gotten everything, but uh, we hadn't had a release since March. But I'm not going to complain about that. Um, so Australia has always had gaming. It doesn't matter what game you play. There's always significant supply issues, but that's okay. Um, the game itself, I love the release schedule and I I'm a bit of a hypocrite. I tell new players you don't need to buy everything and turn them on to things like the three box challenge articles. 
but I buy, I must have everything as when it comes out. Like that's just, that's just me. My painting table hates me for it because I'm such a slow painter. (laughs) But look, I, I absolutely love and adore this game and the pace at which it comes out. I mean, I think you touched on it in the first Illuminati article is you don't buy multiples of this game. So they have to do something else to make money, right? So mm-hmm. that's they're really scheduled and it's it's aggressive. But again, I can still play as Guardians, which came out right at the beginning of year one, and I'm still competitive. I don't need to have bought everything, right? That's the beauty of this game. Yeah. Not only that, but all they've got to do is drop Odin, you buy one pack and suddenly you've got a completely new team to play. Exactly. Brilliant. Uh Jesse. What do you think about it? I think this is an incredible year. I, I know there's a lot of things going on in the world, which were reasons we had delays and things, but let's look at like what we got the last year. Cause it's, it seems like when you mention these things, it seems like time has passed differently, which it probably has the last year, but the X-Men were announced and then released at this moment in time last year at the one year anniversary of the game. And then since the X-Men came out, which was a huge wave, we just got inundated with so many new waves and affiliations. And I think this was the year of gaining new affiliations for the game, which I think was a huge, huge plus for the game. We just got so many affiliations throughout this year. I'm sure someone's wrote it all down on paper, but I mean, with both X-Men teams, both Brotherhood teams, with the Inhumans, you know, there's the list goes on. And that was just early in the year that I think this was a really healthy year for the game because it represents all the characters people love in this universe. And, you know, I say it all the time on our show, every character in this game is someone's favorite character. And that's my favorite part of this game. And every character is viable, unlike other miniatures games where, oh, you bought this model that's only in this group affiliation army. This game's not like that. If Gwen Stacy is your favorite character, she can be played in every team. And that is truly, truly amazing. And I think the release schedule was... A bit brisk this year, but I think that's a positive because you don't have to buy it all. And as someone just mentioned, I have to tell this to myself too, but we, we buy them all eventually at some point. I <laughs> yeah. At least content creators we do. So uh, Yeah, I think you're not alone in that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron, how have you felt about it? So um, I'm actually going to contradict what Jesse said. So mm-hmm. I don't okay. own that many Marvel models, mainly because I only play Web Warriors. So I think I have like 16, 17 models. The urge to buy them all is definitely there. Um, <laughs> yes. But the amount of games that I managed to get in anyway, obviously it's a few less since I've started college, means that I get to play against all these different models, all these different miniatures. So for me, I think the release schedule has been great because, you know, it, it's enabled everyone around me to keep trying different things. And now sort of in our group, everyone has a sort of an affiliation that they go to, whether that's favorite affiliation or a favorite character-based thing. So, um like I said, although I don't buy everything, a lot of people in my local group do. And it's, um, we've been really lucky because we've got a Hulkbuster and everything. I mean, um, that obviously wasn't an, a purposeful thing for them to do, but we somehow ended up with it. So, yeah. I, um, Just going to pick I'm up really, that name drop you dropped there. Yeah, Hulkbuster in the UK. Let's mm-hmm. rub it in a bit more. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, <laughs> hey, yeah, so I have a Hulkbuster, all right? <laughs> I have friends in the Netherlands, all right? <laughs> uh, speaking of the Netherlands, Dave, let's go to you. Yeah, well, it's been a great year, and uh, yeah, there's so so many releases, which I think is great for the game. But if you would ask me what came out in February, January, I don't know. <laughs> it was so, <laughs> there was so much, but but that's great because uh, yeah, uh, like uh, like some said before, the, uh, there will be a model for for everyone. Uh, everyone has a different favorite model, and it will come out eventually because 
with the release, they're bringing in three, four models, or even more a month. So yeah, that's great. And uh, for for me as a competitive player, I like to tinker with uh, with new rosters, new lists, and uh, every month there's something new uh, to bring, and you can revisit way old releases and see how how they interact and uh, how they can combine. So uh, I I love it uh, the that way. The meta is always in in flux and not always solved. So mm. I like it. Danny, you said you've come to the game a bit more recently, so maybe you've got a slightly different take on this. I'm keen to hear that. Yeah, um, as a new player, the release schedule, Jesse described it as brisk. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> like coming into this game and having so many models and characters to choose from. On the one hand, it was really intimidating. Like, how do I possibly choose? But I got into it right around when like She-Hulk and A-Force came out, which was perfect for me because I was like, I'm going to run all female lists forever, mm-hmm. which I don't anymore. But it was a really great like jumping in point for me. That was when I was like, of course, I'm going to run She-Hulk. She's super incredible. So um, that was my like introduction to it. I am very fortunate in that my husband is really the one who got me into this, and he is a completionist. So we have <laughs> everything. Speaking of friends in faraway places, we just got our Miss Marvel and Hulkbuster in the mail like earlier this week from our friends in the UK. So... Um, we have those, which not many people in our area have those yet, unless you get them internationally, because again, supply chain issues. So the rate at which the models came out was overwhelming for me, but I knew kind of like the core of what I was looking for. And my husband and the other guys on our channel, they all kind of like helped me get the white noise out. Like, who am I never going to really want to play? What type of player am I? And then I was able to narrow it down a little bit more, but it's exciting to have so much coming out so quickly until you get to a drought period when there's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Seva, uh, Candice, been a bit luckier on the uh, supply side, hasn't it? Yeah, we've got most of the stuff in relatively quick. I don't think we have Hulkbuster yet, but it's probably coming. I think one of our local supply chains was saying that they already have it here. So we'll see. But uh, I do agree. I love the quick release. There's always something new to talk about and uh, like a new model comes out, you're able to revisit your old lists and be like, oh, you know, this actually fits in perfectly. Let's me accommodate for something I couldn't do before. And uh, I'm a fan. I've definitely been skipping a lot of releases. I haven't been as, uh, I've been purchasing everything. It's just been overwhelming at times, especially with the, the supply chain issues where you have a block and then a month comes out and you're like, hey, here's 10 releases. What are you going to do? <laughs> but uh, I think it generally, it's good for the game and it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, certainly for me, about this time last year, I think there was maybe one or two packs that I'd missed. Uh, that's a lot more now. There's, there's a few more. Some that I, I need to go back and, and grab uh, it's, it, with the release schedule. But keeping up with it, yeah, someone, several of you have mentioned the painting table. That's uh, it's another, another factor. Um, um, so, yeah, Gray I, is I a color. Really... Gray is a color. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was, yeah, a moon night, just kind of, just a gray moon night is fine. Moon Knight in Shadow, does that work? Probably works. Um, <laughs> brilliant. Uh, so I want to think about like where the game's at now. Uh, we've had two years of the game sort of going through and a whole load of releases coming out. We've had seen some changes um, in terms of uh, the odd the odd errata but, and some amazing new formats as well. Um, we've had the uh, Battle Realms come out. We've had Collector. We've had uh, the uh, more of the ultimate encounters and we've had the a really fantastic um 
Symbiote four-player um, event. I, I really enjoyed playing that. So just thinking about where the game's at now, have you got any uh, any thoughts about what are the things that are really standing out to you? I mean, two years into the game, why is it that you are still playing this game where it's at right now? Uh, I'm going to go to Aaron. So, yeah, so I get asked quite a lot how I'm still playing the game because I just play Web Warriors, so I just play the one roster. Um, for me, it is just such an amazing and balanced system that I, I used to play, like, seven or eight different game systems at once. Like, literally, that was my thing at the local shop. It'd be like, oh, you want to learn this game? Ask Aaron, because he plays everything. Now, I just play Marvel, because it's just an amazing game. Um, so, I think it's in a, a really good state. When we found out we were getting updated character cards, that came as a shock, because uh, that was something... I didn't really expect that to happen. I, I just thought maybe we'd get new characters of um, the different alliances. But it, it, what we've seen has been amazing. All the changes are great, and I don't think there are any models that after these changes won't be viable. So that's great for the people that have bought everything and also new players getting into the game because it means you can pick up the core box and just what's in that box you can now use where I think it was getting left behind a little. So I think all the changes have been amazing. Uh you mentioned the organised play kits. As I said, we've been doing them weekly. They're amazing. Um, I don't really think we could ask for anything more, it, at least in my opinion. I think they're doing an amazing job. Uh, AJ? Look, I love this game. I love that AMG care enough to keep it healthy, right? that That's the part that I love about this game, the fact that they address the, the, the really horrible stuff that comes out Cookie's responsible for most of it. <laughs> but the fact the fact that they uh, I, I lost my train of thought a little bit, but it was something like oh sorry. Um sorry. Okay. <laughs> what was I saying? Care enough I'll to do stuff. Know. Yeah, so like they they take the time to remove the stuff that feels bad, right? For something that's got such an aggressive release cycle, you'd think it'd be a bit more broken than it is, right? The fact that stuff that came out at release, okay, let's not look at Spider-Man, but mostly all the stuff that came out at the start is still playable. It's still viable. Yes, it's not it's not competitive player's choice, but you can still win games with it because... AMG go out of their way to make sure that it's playable. And that's, I think that's great, right? And the fact that they've now got an opportunity to kind of do a soft relaunch and the new cards and address this really scary stuff that they kind of got wrong at the beginning, the fact that they're willing to admit that they got stuff wrong at the beginning, that's fantastic. Like, that is the sign of a really healthy game. Seven. I love it. It's been like the the new cards, I didn't expect it. And I, think while I would like to see Red Skull and maybe Doc Ock have been touched up in this, I'm a little sad they kind of left behind. But uh, even on top of that, like the changes to priority and how the changes to pick who picks uh, the points value, who gets uh, picks the scenarios, all those changes, something has been mentioned over and over. And it was nice to see that they're able to listen to the community and kind of sort of a wider group of play testers in a way. And, uh, make adjustments for a better, healthier game. Dave? Yeah, I uh, I just love this game. Uh, I've been playing tabletop games for 20 years or something now. I've done a 
played Warhammer, uh, War Machine, uh, you name it, name a game, and I've played it. And in those games, if if, if you look at War Machine, if you played Signar, you play two lists. That's it. If you want to be competitive in this game, all the, the models are so balanced. You can, if you like, if you like Gwen, you can make a great Web Warriors list. If you like Thanos, you can play Black Order, and it's it's viable. It's competitive, and also on the if you're not that competitive, it it creates an environment that your models are never bad. So you're, you're when you're playing with a with a less competitive person who is moves more relaxed and just likes to play what they like, the game is not. A loss or something. It's always a, a, an exciting game, and it's fun to. I like. I, I even like to lose in this game, and I never like to lose. <laughs> never like to lose. So it, it's it, it's just fun, and you create the story together. Uh, yeah, it's it's great, and like like uh, AJ said, the the willingness to uh, to look back and and look at models that are uh, a bit below or a bit above the curve, uh, like AMG uh, themselves said, and and adjust them. That that's amazing. They could have easily just left it. And make uh, I don't know, make uh, a new uh, new Red Skull or bring out a new Winter Soldier, and say, hey, buy these models if you want to want to play with the character. But they're not, so yeah, amazing. Aaron, something you wanted to pick up on? Yeah, I just wanted to quickly say it's, it, it's just always crazy for me when I hear somebody say that they've been into the game for say twenty years because that's not how long I've been alive. That's so wild. <laughs> so it's like I was one back then. That's so crazy. <laughs> Um, let's go Jesse agent. Some of us here. That's good. Yeah. So I think the game's in the best spot it's ever been to echo the statements of everyone here point changes aside and, you know, balance and all that. Let's just talk about how many affiliations we got the past year. Like I mentioned earlier, the kits actually being out in the world and the ultimate encounters being out in the world. I mean, really any way you want to play this game is available to you right now. And there's going to be more ways to play in the future, I assume. So it's one of those things like everyone wins, you know, casual, competitive, everything in between like dave was hitting on just play your favorite model you can do that and you know you can play your favorite model on any team as well so i i think we're in a really healthy spot the changes once again echoing what everyone else said very unexpected very exciting because as i touched on earlier i think every model in this game is someone's favorite so they should all be playable for sure and then also this is a hobby game too so some of us like to really work really hard on our painting and our basing and all this sort of stuff and that's a good feeling too that your model is not only viable in every team but also just viable by themselves so i think we're in a great spot and i'm really looking forward to 2022 because we're like the starting point right now of all these big things alexa i have (laughs) how do i fake this I, I think the game overall is in a great place. And I think specifically this year, you can notice there have been a lot of build around pieces that much more than an affiliation bring out thematic ideas. And I think like the quintessential in this place is Omega Red. Um, and his, his kind of generation of a poison list and stuff like that. And I think that's something in the way that. Beyond the erratas that they have been doing in the way that Atomic Mass Games has been pushing the boundaries of their design spaces um, this year, I think, has been really good. That being said, I have some slight annoyances mm-hmm. on how some certain characters were eroded that took away how they felt special to me in ways that... I knew that was going to happen because it caused them to be not great, 
but also I felt like had an interesting place in the game, and I'm a little sad that aren't those places anymore. Danny? Yeah, so, again, I have this unique perspective where, um, Dave, you mentioned playing Warhammer. My husband and I have Warhammer background, him much more so than me. Like, I think he had, like, eight armies. I had one where you would often see these companies and they would just come out with new stuff and you had to buy that. And they wouldn't, they wouldn't cop to having to fix mistakes and say, Oh yeah, right. We didn't do this quite right. We need to fix that. No, instead you need to buy a whole new unit or a whole new army book or this, that, or the other thing. Um, like AJ was saying, AMG is a company who will fix their mistakes and they will, you know, revamp these characters who kind of need it when you're reflecting. I think that really speaks to the balance and the evolution of this game based on what the players need and what they want and just the overall development. As they come out with more and more characters, I think that they are going to have to keep doing this, looking back reflectively and saying, okay, where did we kind of not get things quite right in the past? And how can we ameliorate that for the good of the players? Like they're really doing, they're doing good by us, which as a consumer and as someone who's just like watching people play and love this game, like I really respect that because that kind of like flies in the face of most corporations where obviously they're out to make money, but they also really want us to have a good time playing the game because the more fun we have, the more we'll buy into it and the more we love it. So I really respect them for the changes that they've made and the changes that are to come. One of the things I think is going to be really important, like right now in our various communities around the world is about uh, growing your community and about you know introducing the game to people. Have you guys got any tips for people about things they could be doing or should not be doing in order to try and help grow their community where they are? Jesse. Well, just off the top of my head, I think doing demo days at your local store are really helpful. I had a unique opportunity lately to do a demo day at a larger convention here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which is called Tokyo in Tulsa. It's a massive Japanese culture convention. And, you know, I'm just off in the side room and uh, people come by and say, look at the terrain and the models and have no idea this game exists and sit down and t- get a demo whether or not they go buy the game or play you know again that's kind of out of my hands but like at least they got to see it experience it so i think that's really helpful but also on top of that i think just uh i don't know setting up simple games and inviting people over to your place you know to play some games you know sticking with those 17 threat missions in the core set sticking with simple models i've talked about on fury's finest luke cage is one of my new go-to avengers models to teach people the game teach some basic mechanics like that are good you know like this is a game about positioning and scoring points and luke cage is really good at that but also like there's other elements to that too so i think it's just kind of fitting what what fits your local community but those are the things that have worked for me and also i will say the ultimate encounters sometimes they can be a little complex but man do they get people to the table that have not played this game and that's that's really fun so set someone up with an avengers team maybe you're the thanos player and maybe set up a guardians team and have two new players play you the thanos player that's a blast it's really good Danny, maybe uh, any, any tips you've got from uh, previous communities that you've been involved in growing, maybe? Yeah. Um, the more like accessible that you can make it, like Jesse mentioned, kind of formulating lists for your players. We actually just got my brother into this game um, a couple weeks ago, and that was very... like my husband wrote his list. He just went with base Avengers. Uh, we didn't do tactics cards, and it was really just like a very like ease into it environment where there's no pressure, there's not, you know, we are like 
we call ourselves the junk food because like, we're just like casual. We like to have fun. We write a lot of fluff lists, whatever. And just not taking it too seriously. I think having events where people can come and check it out and just see what there is, is huge because so many people might not know about the game, but they know about Marvel and Marvel characters. So that in and of itself, that's what got me into it. Where like tabletop games, nope. Star Wars games, nope. Love the movies, but no. But like, oh, I can play as Jean Grey now. Like from, she's my favorite from the cartoon. Sign me up. That's that thing where if you can like, hook someone by their nostalgia, those positive memories and stuff like that, and just showing them how easy it is. It's not, it can be a complex and complicated game. It doesn't have to be. So if you know a person and you're like, maybe they're into it, you can figure out what type of player they may be. That would be a huge, huge benefit to getting more people involved in this. Aaron, any tips? I know you've done really successfully growing community and your local area, so I'm really keen to hear yours. I think just making sure there's quite a big presence on social media for it really helps. So like we post up our games, we've got um, a couple of group chats. Obviously, I share all my stuff with my with um, in the group chats, which you know sort of shows it's quite active. And I think just being open to new players and letting them sort of join in. So if, if there's anyone down the board in Brum, which is where I play, I just sort of say hey. If, if you're waiting for a game or anything, why don't you, you know, have a look at Marvel stuff and I'll just be really open and willing to talk about it. And I think it's also important to remember that not everyone wants to play it the same way. So like when giving a demo game, I, I, I tend to ask like, so like, what, what are you interested? Like, do you want to play with your favorite characters? Are you just looking for another game system? And then obviously, um, you, you, you don't give them a hyper competitive game experience you know there's there's lots of very very casual players um in my group as well as you know some more competitive players so i think it's important just to float sort of between the two and make sure that everyone can play the game how they want to and let everyone know that you know it's not just about playing it one way or the other and you know there are these ultimate encounters there are these uh different options of playing such as separation anxiety i think that's all just really important and, and when people realize that there's so many different options when you play marvel i think that's a great thing and you know and letting people know about them really helps get them interested and get them playing the game aj you've been instrumental in building the australian community so again another person i'm really keen to hear from look it's been a lot of false stats but i am i'm good at demo games right (laughs) i've convinced a lot of people to buy this game physically and yet there's nowhere for them to play um look everyone's kind of said it it's 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 easy you just what do you want to play like how do you want to play because this game you can do all of it the best games i've had is the ones where i play with my opponent and we both we're telling a story right so i've got a friend who runs guardians of the galaxy and we actually don't care who wins we just we want rocket to go and do the ridiculous thing both of us Mm -hmm. and 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 that's what I love about this game is you can be hyper competitive, but you can also be super casual and the two of you can actually still have a fun game. Um, but in terms of growing communities, it's been tough here with the release schedules and the, but you know what? We've, we've all still managed to buy it. We all still want to play it. Um, people are now painting there because we've only just got, like I said, we haven't had a release since March, but, everyone's now starting to paint their stuff and people are asking me when the next event is, which given we've had a year with nothing, I think that's really cool. 
Um, online is easy because I can convince people to play on TTS quite easily mm. now. In fact, I've, I've convinced a lot of people to play on TTS because of the lockdowns. And they go, oh, I don't, I'm not a computer game. I was like, you haven't seen me play online. Like I'm, oh. I am terrible. I am, I bump everything. I can't tell judge distances. I'm, I'm not a computer gamer. I'm a tabletop war gamer, mm-hmm. but I, I still have fun time on TTS. And that's the thing. Sorry, uh, Aaron, something you wanted to come in with. Yeah, so just another quick thing I missed. If I'm not sure if any of you guys are doing it, but what we're doing as well um, is having sort of the Tuesday after the week that we've sort of been told we're getting the releases. We're having like a big, huge intro day. We're getting like cake and samosas and stuff and posting it up everywhere and just saying, look, come down, play Movie. You don't need anything. So I don't know if that's something that a lot of people are doing or mm-hmm. maybe an idea that people could do, but that's another thing that we're aiming to do to get people into the game. Uh, Alexa? Um, it's, uh, the Seattle scene is an interesting beast because we have the option of too many places to go play. Such and a hard life. Wish yes. I had that problem. <laughs> uh-huh. We currently have about four to five stores all within a 30-minute drive that do Marvel Crisis Protocol Nights. And the and it's been a lot of work to try and make it into a cohesive Seattle scene rather than each individual store having its own kind of ecosystem separate from each other. Um, and that is something I am still working on, and I don't have a clear answer for. Um, but it's communication between stores and making sure you have an ecosystem beyond just whatever store you're playing at, I think is super important. Jesse, was that something you wanted to come in on? Yeah. Another random idea that's worked for me, but it's been a really fun project for me, especially during lockdown is I used a lot of my limited free time during lockdown to work on different terrain for different boards with the idea of in the future, we will have community events and I will supply most of the boards. And that's actually worked out really well because I actually have a lot of boards completely done that are all different vistas and areas of Marvel. And that actually has been a really good tool to bring people into the game because, you know, a lot of us are war gamers from previous games and things like that. And certain games like 40K or Star Wars or something like that, the scope is pretty narrow and what you can do in the way of terrain. Marvel's not the case like that. Marvel is a huge universe multi-dimensional many different places on the earth and other planets and you can get really creative with terrain and work on something you're proud of paint it up and then you draw someone over to a table and then it's something unique to our game too because all the terrain can be thrown Mm. so it's just one of those things like it's hard to put exact words on how effective it is bringing new players but it does help i will say not only painted terrain but different terrain so recently we had some demo days and i brought a couple of my boards and i specifically didn't bring a city board I brought every board that was not a city board because, you know, someone comes over and they see Wakandan planes and they see Hulk throwing a giraffe. I mean, it's just unique to our game. You know, it's something that we have and it's very fun. So sometimes that just gets people across to your boards and then they say, oh, interesting. This is a game and you can throw the train to. I mean, it, so it's just an element that's I think we can channel uniquely as Marvel players that not really many other miniatures games can do. And they give us a lot of freedom with terrain as well. Alexa, I'm going to come back to you. Another thing that I wanted to quickly talk about, and uh, this is an issue that I'm guessing a number of the people here have been especially aware of in this community, is making sure that you 
foster it so that it's accepting of all. Um, because it's, wargaming has traditionally been a kind of straight male white guy thing. Um, and it's very important, especially as Marvel as an IP is so universally loved that we keep our communities open and safe spaces for women and LGBT people and non-white people, uh, to come in and be a member of beyond, um, with, without hostility. And that, that's something that I've been very, very specific about. And I think is very important as a larger community because I think representation matters, not just on the table, but in the people around the table. And I, I think that's something that we as a community need to get need to show better in the majority of our content. I see Jacob has very specifically picked out this year's cast. Um, cause I remember last year and it what drove me to be a content creator. You guys had a conversation about how you guys were all straight white men in your mid to uh, early to mid thirties. Um, and it was what drove me as a trans woman to, put myself forward into this community and i think it's super important as the community as a whole we get we we manage to uplift people who aren't the norm without tokenizing them i think that's an excellent point alexa and i couldn't put it any better than you just did thank you uh aaron you wanted to come in on something yeah just to join in on what Lexa said that is sort of a reason why i started the blog as well because i don't think in any I can think of one content creator that is a person of colour. Um, I'm yet to come across another Marvel player that is a person of colour, but it's been a really accepting scene. It's been great. I've been to like 16 events and I've never had a problem, whereas some other game systems, I'm not going to name anyone specifically, there are those really weird, clicky sort of sort of racist like groups of people that you find. And I'm just really happy that with Marvel we haven't had that at all. So it's been really, really great to sort of bring that to the table as well and represent that. Brilliant. Thank you for sharing your experiences. Uh, a couple of people haven't got to yet on this question. So, uh, Seba. So this is kind of this more towards new players, I guess. Uh, I think because of the, just the wide appeal of Marvel, uh, I, I come from more of a competitive game background. So I've done that. I have to like dial back and be like, hey, this is a game that everybody can play. It's It has all these characters that people might love. They might not be... This might be their first war game, like tabletop game, just because of the appeal of the IP. And uh, be able to offer advice and uh, not strictly be like, well, you need to play this character and this character because this makes the best list for you. It's like, no, you can play this because it's fun. You can play the fluffy, like the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy card where everybody rolls the dice and does whatever they want because it's fun. And that's kind of encouraging people to have fun with the game as opposed to strictly going for you have to be competitive, you have to be the best and encouraging that I think is important. Uh, Dave, any thoughts on this? Uh, yeah, n- not too much to add, but with all that has been said, but <laughs> uh, I think the most important thing is when you have a new player on the table, just throw some terrain into each other, throw people <laughs> into terrain <laughs> and show how fun this, fun this game is. And if they, then they come with, with questions like uh, what's the, how can I build better lists? Or if, if you notice, hey, they have that competitive itch, then go into more detail 
But I've, I, I've noticed I've fallen into the trap sometimes of going into too much detail and this works well with, with, with these models and you have to pick these crises and they get lost in it. So just play, play, play a light game, uh, maybe show a tactics card or two how it works uh, that's, uh, that has cool interaction and just have fun. I think that's the most important uh, part. And then uh, the game will convince the people. It's, it's just a great game. So, AJ. Dave said it perfectly, but one of the things I do is I always have a case of my best pasted miniatures and it's a display. So it's got like a glass front on it. And that always sits, no matter what game I'm playing or where I'm going, I always take that with me and people will ask me about the miniatures. And that's my end. <laughs> I think that's it's Marvel. You don't need to say more. Yeah. There's my go-to list when I'm going to go down to the local game store and just have a casual game is going to be Hulk, Hulk Buster, and Steve Rogers. Just having those really cool models and people are going to stop and go, that's Hulk Buster. That's Hulk. What game is this? Um, I think just having those big showpiece models and, and making them part of your lists as well. Dormammu, having Dormammu, just go, what is that? I want one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is a tip. There's, uh, so some some fantastic points there. Um, touched on something that I was going to go on to next, actually, which was terrain. Just a quick one on terrain. What is the most uh, the best piece of terrain for whatever criteria you're going to use for that? Best piece of terrain that you've seen or played on? Um, let's jump in. I'll go back to Dave on this one. Thomas the Tank Engine. <laughs> Damn it, that's yeah. my one. I went for Thomas the Tank Engine just so that I could yeah. throw it at people. Uh, so, do you want to dig into that a bit? And so, your Thomas Tank Engine is that? Uh, the, tell us about the board that that was on. Uh, well, it, it was just uh, children's toys. <laughs> we just grabbed some stuff, and then uh, that was part of it. So, it's uh, so this is kind of fun. Anything, anything works. And and that fight scene in Ant Man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, we know what AJ's is, so um, Jesse. That's tough. Yeah, we did that the first week, and the game came out as well. We made an Ant-Man board immediately, and it was it was a blast. So on our board in particular, Godzilla got thrown. He was out there, a very large piece out there. And now we have Kong as well. So we have Godzilla and Kong, large pieces to throw there. But, man, it's tough. You know, I guess I'm going to go with my answer earlier. We, we do have a Wakandan Plains board here, and, you know, throwing rhinoceros or giraffe is is a crazy thing and we always say they survive you know they just they run away somewhere but <laughs> it's before they crash into cool. someone on the board you know hopefully it's someone bad too you know like red skull getting a rhinoceros thrown in his face there's there's a level of satisfaction there because he's done some bad things so i say wakanda for now with uh, animals lexa so i actually have to shout out another member of the community here um who uh posts a little bit on the discords and um but it's marcus um, who has put together some fantastic boards that he has shared. Um, specifically his, uh, recent Mysterio, uh, pseudo board, um, where he Ooh. has, like, uh, a, a tower of cards and, like, a bunch of mini sets and stuff. That's very cool. And the fact that I'm going to, going to shout this out to him about him, uh, he is working on a motor pinball board right now that I am eagerly anticipating. Uh, Danny. So we mostly do like city boards. I would love to see Jesse's Wakanda board because that sounds incredible. And I imagine the animals are like the cow from Twister. Like, of course it survives. Like, <laughs> right. of course it does. Yeah. Let's not go that far. Um, yeah. So we mostly just stick with like the city board. We have some really great like trees and stuff like that that we got from somewhere. Um, but we actually use the Funko Pop um, Cosmo the Space Dog, which is, you know, 
gigantic compared to the model. So that's always fun to throw. Um, and my husband painted a really cool like arcade where the lights look like actual lights. So like I love throwing buildings and stuff like that. But Cosmo is definitely the most interesting terrain piece that I think we've featured recently. Sarah? This is a bit of a tough one because I think I'm, I mostly also play on just like your generic city boards. I think uh, maybe going back to when we first started playing is just like when we didn't have terrain set up, we just got the game going and just kind of slapping a table together. What we had was just throwing a, a big tall boy at somebody. <laughs> Aaron, very good. Uh, so for me, it's probably the recently released Sanctum Sanctorum, just because we did the um, the Dormammu sort of the the scenario you get in the Dormammu box with the portals and stuff. I don't know if any of you have played that. So we did that, and every time you close a portal, you flip a card out from this like event deck. So one of the portals was next to the Sanctum Sanctorum, and we flipped this card, and it was like. Destroy all terrain within range two and deal damage to characters equal to its size. So sort of like the Sanctum got sucked into this dark portal along with like a dumpster and a daily bugle. It was just really, really cool because it was a Dormammu mission as well. I think he killed like, it it does like three people. It was just a really awesome gaming moment thematically. Um, Not just the fact that the Sanctum is such a nice piece of terrain. It was just really good. Jesse, you want to comment on something? Picking off what Aaron said, I think it's actually really fun too. If you're at the drawing board on train projects, what I did early on was I was like, well, there's a Thanos encounter. So like, why don't I build terrain based around that? And then it's just a board for future use. So we built the asteroid that Thanos Black Order hang out on. You know, they can all breathe on that somehow in space and uh, all the floating rocks and everything. It's fun. You know, it's just a different board. But more importantly, when you bring out those ultimate counters, it is a good demo moment because you're fighting Thanos on his asteroid. The Milano's there parked. The Guardians are one of the teams. They're ready to go. So I think that's kind of fun too. You can kind of build around these ultimate encounters. And as Aaron said, how much more appropriate can we have Dormammu invading Bleecker Street? It's mm-hmm. very good. I think uh, one, one I haven't seen yet, but the one that I really want to see is the blue area of the moon. It's classic X-Men. Like, and I'd love to see mm-hmm. someone do a take on that. Maybe uh, I'll take that as a, as a project. I'll set myself over maybe next year. Just quickly, uh, at an event, we um we were playing on a board, and we were like, "This is this is so strange. Why are we playing on like an asteroid themed board with all this all these like excavation stuff and, and train?" And then we we drew missions and revealed them, and then uh, my opponent picked sword base. Was like, "Now it makes sense. It's <laughs> perfectly." Okay, I want to cast our eye into the future, uh, and we're just about to have a huge drop of new rules and cards. So I thought I'd just start by going around and getting everyone's kind of reactions. Uh, it doesn't have to be in-depth, but just initial looks and maybe one or two things that you're really excited about from this. So I'm going to come to Danny first. Woof. Well, like I said, it's all kind of new to me, so <laughs> I figured, like, new rules, bring it. That's fine. Like I am adaptable. I feel like having to learn the new rules in addition to just learning the core rules. Okay. That's totally fine with me. There's nothing uh, that I can think of that I was upset about or that I found super controversial. I just kind of took it in stride. Sure. Let's do this. This is a new thing. Moving on. <laughs> so that's my take on it. Seva. Well, for me, I'm really looking forward to just trying out the game with my current. Like, I play a lot of X-Men right now. was sort of my go-to. It's X-Men with Modoc. It's fun. It works pretty well. But uh, my favorite, like, the one thing I was really building for is uh, 
making sure I'm playing at high level, at high threat value all the time. And with the changes to who picks the threat values and how the scenarios are created, I can no longer do that as well as I could before. So I'm looking forward to seeing how this works, how it changes, and sitting down and sort of reworking uh, my most of my rosters and see if I can how I can adapt to how the game's changed. Okay, Dave. Uh, yeah, I can't wait for the the crisis to be uh, to be random. Uh, all the changes uh, around around that part, uh, the new characters, of course, and uh, yeah, excited to see how the new uh, meta will uh, will will adapt and change uh, with these changes. See where that will land. So, yeah, good times. AJ, look, I'm going to be specific. Ghost Rider is good. Yes, <laughs> I am ready for Ghost Rider to be good. He's what got me into the game. Cool, uh, Alexa. So, uh, y'all are talking like it's, it's some far off thing, but we've been playing with the new cards and the new rules as we understand them for like the last month at our local store. So, so it's, it's, I, I love the new stuff that's been going on. Um, we've been working under the assumption of the new rules at my podcast since they've been announced. Um, so it's kind of like I'm just waiting for everyone to catch up right now because at least locally, we we all kind of agreed that it's like, yeah, no, we just want to try the new stuff, so let's play it. Um, and and to be specific, my boy Bullseye, oh boy. <laughs> Somehow, I'm not surprised, Lexa. That that, that has not come as a shock to me. Um, Lexa is the <laughs> champion of the unplayed. <laughs> Jesse, so many things. So, just to briefly echo what everybody said here about the changes in the rules. I mean, I think these are all positive for the game and especially positive for teaching people. I've already begun teaching people the new rules because they're a blank slate. So it's 10 models, 10 tactics cards, you know, and then we randomly draw crises. These are things that actually help a lot with the turn zero confusion for some new players, I would say, and some of the analysis paralysis. But that aside, I'll just pivot out of the rules completely and talk about, you know, I've been playing, attempting to play Green Goblin since the beginning. And, you know, it's I've had varied success, as we all have, but Green Goblin being changed with my favorite bad guy team is a very big thing for me. And and then Hulk, my favorite model in the game, is, is Hulk now. So I think these are all just things that are good for everybody, casual, competitive, because I think we all fear Hulk now, or we should. And that's a good thing, So because it is the Hulk, and this is Marvel. Welcome to the Hulk Club. It's been it's been a lonely place for me for a while, but I'm glad yes. that I've got more people come in there. So. Certainly, yeah. Yeah, Aaron. And, and I've been running the Green right Goblin Club. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Aaron. Yeah, so I really like all of the new changes. It's really um, a lot to try and play um, quite competitively. So it's going to be really, really cool to suddenly see these spider foes popping up everywhere as a Web <laughs> Warrior player, at least. Um, yeah. It's going to be really interesting to see the shifts in um uh, I don't like I don't really like to say the meta with Marvel because I've not really other than sort of recently Sam Avengers there's, there's not really been like a, a defined meta I don't think but um it's going to be really interesting to see what new things people start bringing to the table and I think somebody mentioned obviously the random crisis stops a lot of those sort of feel bad turn one plays where you know you, you sort of just a, a a huge advantage for having priority which I don't think what the, is what the game should be about. You shouldn't be able to go, yeah, I've got this super crazy plan involving three tactics cards, Hulk, Wong, and another guy, and we're all going to do this, and I'm going to score this. So I think the random crisis is, is really good, um, just for that at least. And I just think all the challenges have been super great. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing Hulk everywhere because I just love Hulk. <laughs> it's it's going to be great. Um, 
This one's a slightly tricky one, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go first on this one. I'll give you a bit of time to think. Um, rather than changing any things that have already gone, right? So because AMG has already said that they're doing a whole lot of changes, and things occasionally get tweaked and banned. Restricted list has, has been a thing, but rather than changing things that have passed, if I gave you the keys to Marvel Crisis Protocol for the future, is there any one particular driving thing that you think uh, you would do? Maybe not differently, but you would you would tweak or adjust slightly. Um, I think for me, because uh, I play a lot of competitive games, I think it's around crises that reward someone who's getting victory points. Something like uh, crises with cubes where you get damaged and that's kind of like a downside to having picked up that cube. You're getting the victory point, but you're taking the damage. Or the spider infected is a great one. You pick up the, the spider infected, but you have you, the chance you're going to get shifted out of position and maybe waste an action. Those work really well, I think, from a design standpoint. Um, whereas things like the sword base, where you not only do you get all the victory points, but you also get to push their most powerful model away as well. Those, I think feel just qualitatively just a little bit less engaging and fun yeah so even if you're losing you're like i might be losing but they've got this disadvantage now that i can then leverage i think that makes for a better game so it's, it's a tricky question and it's not one that i've uh, primed you for um but i'm going to go to aaron first right um i didn't expect to be first so if i could change one thing moving forward so maybe um so you said not to touch anything that's already been changed, but with the changes to the priority system, I think the balance between having priority and not having priority is a lot more even. It's no longer 80-20. I feel it's roughly, I think, 50-50. So I think moving forward, maybe the person that wins the role should get the choice of if they have priority or not. That, sorry, that's just like the first thing that's yeah, come yeah. to mind. No, that's cool. Well. That's um, a perfectly valid answer. I'm, so, I'm very happy with that. Yeah, um, when, oh, sorry. Yeah, uh, yeah I was just going to say, I think when you roll off, I think now that mm. it is a bit more balanced, obviously it is still um, RNGH random numbers, but just the option when you win that roll off to choose which one, I think that'd be, um, I'd like that as a challenge. I don't think it'd be unhealthy or anything. I don't know what anyone else thinks. I can totally see that. Jesse? I wouldn't call this quite so much a change, and this will show some of my biases for what I like in the game, but I like to play thematic lists, I like to play characters I like to play, and then I like to play that well. That's what I've always done in every game I've ever played. I've been playing Star Wars games for 10 years that way as well, and I think that's a strength of the game, and I think they should focus on that. And the way I think you focus on that is continue doing what seems to be a new trend they're doing, putting more stock in named tactics cards for named characters and things. First of all, we have 10 cards, so we're already going that direction. Second of all, they're just releasing more of these and less of the generically good cards. And I think this not only makes you enjoy the characters you're playing more, but I think it also makes the meta and just the game in general more exciting because you don't really know what someone's going to bring. You might not know that someone sitting across from you that has Winter Soldier, one of their favorite characters is Winter Soldier, and they brought till the end of the line, and they're going to make it work, and that's their thing, and... You know, it's one of those things I I think it brings a lot of life into the game. Continuing with that thought, I think they should release more OP kits and ultimate encounters because once again, you're doing more thematic things with the models you spend all this time into. Though it's a different format, you're getting more out of your investment in the game and also, of course, getting more people to the table. That the separation anxiety symbiote scenario is just absolutely stellar. I cannot sing its praises enough. Everyone should try it because it's one of those it's a different experience of Marvel, a four player experience built around this symbiote mechanic. It's it's just a whole nother experience. And it, you know, one more way we can play the game. So I think pursuing 
maybe character cards and more narrative and OP and ultimate encounter type things can only help the game grow more. Aaron, you had something you want to come back on? Yeah, sorry. So as I went first, I wasn't really prepared. But no, that's absolutely fine. Jesse just prompted me to uh, remember something we'd briefly spoken about in our group. And that was that maybe if you go into, when you build your roster, um, if you have a fully affiliated team, so no um, non-affiliated characters, mm-hmm. just say Avengers where every single member in the team is affiliated, maybe having a bonus for that. Um, the two things we thought about were maybe an extra power in the first turn, but then we, we realised that's a bit, that opens up a lot of really janky plays. So then the other thing we thought about was maybe what you do is that if, if you're fully affiliated when building your roster, you can choose six tactics cards, which I think would be really interesting again. Um, I don't know how that would work practically, just obviously it would benefit the larger affiliations a lot more, but it, it's something like Jesse said, rewarding people for being affiliated and formatic. And I think there is something there. Maybe it'll just take a lot of time to fine-tune something that would be both cool and formatic. But yeah, I just wanted to quickly throw that out there as well. Yeah, no, I, li- I like that idea. It's got a lot, of, a lot of legs, I reckon. I think it's difficult to get the balance right on it, but yeah. I, as a principle, I think that's a fantastic idea. Um, Seva? So for me, I think I'd like to see more variety in uh, uh, thread values for scenarios. Uh, it came up more and when we when we did the three box challenge, but you were so limited by being you just it's all seventeens pretty much, and obviously you're not going to go back and change the those values at this point. But I think going forward, we've I mean we've seen it a bit with sword base being fourteen, we're getting a bit more lower high end values. I'd like just to see just more options as that goes on. You just keep going, print more scenarios with wider ranges. I don't know if we'll go past twenty, but maybe it could be interesting. AJ. Well, everyone's always, everyone's said what I wanted to say. Um, <laughs> I don't think I have, I, I love this game as it is. Like, yeah, okay, we could have more scenarios. We could have more points values. We could give bonuses for bringing everything in affiliation or giving debuffs for bringing something that should not be where it is. But that's the whole point of superheroes, right? Is if anyone can be on a team together. Yeah. So why punish that? But I think anything that's got, I'm, you said it yourself, Jacob. Anything that's got a negative effect where I didn't do anything wrong, I'd like to see less of those. So, like, sword base, I get punished for playing the game, for example. Those kinds of things. And there's not many of them, and they're, they're not significant. But I'd like to see less of those around. But off the top of my head, I can't actually think of very many. Well, I think that's uh, the statement about the state of the game. So yeah, that's, that's no bad thing. Danny. Um, I would love, like Jesse said, the ultimate encounters, specifically separation anxiety. We played that over the summer. Anything where you can get more than two players playing at a time, that was probably one of the most fun games I've played. And I don't remember who won. I know it certainly wasn't me, but it was just so fun to see all these players coming together and playing such different groupings and in such different ways all together at one table. So anything like that, anything like a thematic event, um, anything where you're getting more people together, really thinking outside of the box, I would absolutely adore that. Jesse, you want to come in again? Just a quick point on separation anxiety. You know, the threat's 11, so we have a different threat there with four players. It just makes the game so different. And the first time I play it, played it, we did have a local player who just went Thanos. 
with a bunch of gems. And that was it. They even <laughs> cut some points. They didn't even go full 11 because they said, I want to keep my affiliation. And I said, okay. So this is the type of game we have. It's very exciting. So, and that, you know, Thanos with a bunch of gems, picking up symbiotes. I mean, that's one player. You can't put a, a price on that. That's a great experience. Yeah. My local, um, I first played it. Someone brought Modoc as part of their team, and just everybody just decided they were going to kill Modoc. It's just like, oh, man. no, you brought Modoc, you deserve this. Man, in, in <laughs> Arthur Crash Anxiety, Modoc somehow gained a long move, and seeing that big ugly face move that quick really, really <laughs> tore away a bit of my soul. That was, that was, that was something else, man. Lexa. So speaking uh, quickly, before I give my full answer, speaking quickly of the threat discussion. Um, a thing that I have noticed, because we are getting intrusions coming up in the Convocation Wave, mm-hmm. which is a retool of the Space Gem scenario from the Infinity Clash League. So I've started looking at their like OP kit and uh, mini extravaganza specialty missions as like maybe slight barometers of where the future can go. And we have had a 22 threat mission. Now, in the Empirical event that we had over the mini extravaganza, there was a 22 threat mission. So they are testing out and at least testing the waters with above 20 threat values. I can see some of you pulling faces at the thought of that. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, it just made me think, man, what is that? Oh, that, that is actually really interesting. Would shake it up if there was a 22 threat. Gosh. Yes. As for what I would do if I got my keys, the keys to the kingdom, I would get their costuming out of the 80s and out of the cartoons. Because there are so many better costumes than the ones that they used in the cartoons in the 80s. Just mod your models. That's, that's what I did. <laughs> that requires skill that I don't have. Uh, brilliant. Okay. Sorry, that's completely thrown me. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, get, get, get out of the 80s, yes. Especially, Actually, know, that, that's a good suggestion. Rather than get it out of the 80s, have alternate models, right? That's how you yeah. sell more. That would be so cool. Well, they've, they've started doing that, haven't they, with the uh, Spider-Man and Doc Ock pack. Yeah. And foil yes, cards, right. which are kind of cool, a little bit of bling for your tabletop as well. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe we'll, see, maybe we'll see more. And maybe, yeah, maybe that's one of the things, having things that you don't need to buy. But which are cool. I really want so, Doctor yeah. Octavia. I'd play more Doc Ock if she was Octavia. I've <laughs> yeah, I've seen some people doing that, and uh, yeah, I, I would play a lot more Storm if she had a mohawk. <laughs> My Storm's got ah. a mohawk. Yeah, that, that's actually not a hard mod, actually. I think uh, I'm <laughs> sure someone locally could do that for you. I'd play a. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd play every affiliation if I could just make everyone permanently have a symbiote attached. I mean, <laughs> I <could> do that. <laughs> Same. Sure. Um, and that's the beauty of this game, right? The stories. The stories yeah. we tell from what we've done. Like, you don't need to remember. If you don't remember who wins a game, that's a sign of a good game, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so what I want to dig into now is a bit more in the character space. Uh, there's some some easy hits here. There's some easy wins of of, uh, of characters that we haven't seen yet who are big name characters. There's, there's, there's some some big ones, but we'll, I'm sure we'll get to those. Uh, but to try and avoid getting to them for as long as possible, I've got to go to Lexa first on this. So um, a couple. So it's like I have my dream pick, and then there's one specific thing that once the idea entered my head that I just can't let go. So first off, my dream pick, I want the Stafford Kukos. I've 
made no bones about this. It's going to be really difficult for them to actually design that character. So that's something that I would be really fascinated to see. Um, the thing that has entered my head and not left, um, and it's because I'm working on a series of articles on possible secondary leaders for each affiliation. And when thinking about the spider foes, I'm like, Prowler should be the second leader. Give the guy who hates Miles Morales as the second leader so we have the, like, Miles, Miles Morales haters and the Peter Parker haters as, like, the two ends of the affiliation spectrum. Yeah, and then you could give him the um, arch nemesis rule for Miles Morales as well. Yeah, I like it. Uh, AJ. Okay, so here's where I reveal I'm not really a Marvel fan. I'm learning the game <laughs> as I. I'm learning Marvel Universe as I go. <laughs> That's um, look, they've already released. Camilla uh, Khan was my. I, that was the only comic I had read before I'd started playing this game. And she's here and she's amazing. And. I can't wait to play her, but I hear Squirrel Girl's good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't, yeah. It'd be interesting to see what they do with Squirrel Girl. It's, uh, he has... I want an army of trained squirrels. <laughs> oh, yeah. I heard some rumors about a potential Squirrel Girl, and a- apparently um, if we get her, she's going to have some bonkers rule, which she rolls like uh, rolls six dice or something, and if she gets one of every dice facing, she gets chaos in one. So I don't know how true that is. Well, if if you look on like the Marvel website, they have like the power rankings of all the different heroes yeah, and yeah. villains, and Squirrel Girl is like ten and everything. Yeah, she's up there. She's she's yeah. crazy apparently. And I was like, yeah, oh, who is this um, Danny. Um, I I would love to see Emma Frost just because, like, yes. you know, old yes. school Marvel comics. Like, we've got Jean Grey. Give me some Emma Frost. And I am a huge fan of the Exiles series. So Blink, Nocturne, any of those characters, that would, I would love that. And then Blink has like the teleportation thing, which I know we have a couple characters who did that, but I feel like that could really bring a lot of like wild movement to the board. Um, but Emma Frost all the way. I want her, but I do worry, like Lexa pointed out, I do worry about the costuming on her because ooh, it's going to be very, very risque. There's, Maybe. There's, Who knows? Yeah, 90% knows of the know. costumes I wouldn't be happy seeing. But there's, there's yeah. a couple of good ones. Uh, Lexa, do you want to come in on something? Yeah, no, I, I wanted to jump on the costuming point exactly. Yeah. Um, another mm-hmm. reason we need to get out of the 80s is how they costumed their women was not great uh, half the time. And Emma Frost is, is the like primo example of that. So sure. I definitely want to see a more modern version of Emma Frost when she does mm-hmm. come out. Jesse. So many right answers here, right? Aaron sparked my symbiote brain earlier. So my first thought would be a newer character to Marvel. That's Null, the Lord no, of the Symbiotes. <laughs> Just because we've seen that they'll do these great big threats in the game like Thanos and Dormammu, but they're kind of rare. They're spread out. So I think another big threat model like Null, even if you're not a symbiote fan, I just think it's good for the game. A big threat model is pretty interesting. So that's my first vote, but staying in this vein, you know, it would be probably Scream or Symbiote Spider-Man because these are things that resonate with a lot of people and I think it bring people to the game. And if I could tell one of my friends here like Symbiote Spider-Man's in the game or Scream's in the game or something, I'd, I'd probably get them on board. So that's very exciting. Uh, Seven. I've been just thinking about all the different characters. Like, I'm assuming we get Fantastic Four at some point, so I'm not going to say them. But for me, I think it's between Iceman and Sentry, two sort of opposite ends, I guess. I'd like to see a lot of the Dark Avengers in general to be put into at some point, which I'm hoping we will. 
But I think if I had to pick one, I'd go with uh, Sentry. Hmm. Um, Aaron? Yeah, so um, Null was what I was going to go for <laughs> until Jesse stole it. Um, <laughs> I just want symbiotes everywhere. Um, that's the only way I'll ever play another affiliation is if we get um, sort of a symbiote affiliation led either by Null or, you know, um, Eddie Brock as we see him in the King in Black series maybe, mm. Black Suit Spider-Man or just anything to do with a symbiote that's um, good. Um, so, yeah, that would sort of be my dream edition. And I think if they really branched out into all the different symbiotes, that would be cool. I mean, they're, they're very clearly aware of them. They've um, shown them in separation anxiety and i think one of the most difficult but yet interesting um, models i could possibly add to the game would be hybrid so if anyone doesn't know what hybrid is hybrid is a symbiote that is a combination of four different symbiotes so if we could maybe have each one individually and they have some kind of cool transform mechanic if oh, they could pull one off, in the game absolutely that would be amazing just having sort of all four of those symbiotes you know they all spend x amount of power replace them with hybrid that would be amazing and he's just like a nine threat symbiote monster yeah symbiotes i like symbiotes i like that <laughs> and dave am i right in saying that the marvel has not been uh not, not been a, a bit like aj not you're not a massive into the law but <laughs> that's right <laughs> uh i i well in the 90s when i was a kid i uh i had some comics right some spider-man uh iron man uh well, I do have to say that the, the the ones that stood out to me were Silver Surfer and uh, uh, Galactus. I mean, if, the, if if those would come in, uh, that would that, uh, that would trigger some nostalgia for me. But but yeah, I I think after '95, I haven't read a Marvel comic <laughs> anymore. Uh, I've watched some movies that came out <laughs> lately, but but that's it. I'm- so following on from that, clearly we've got some some big affiliations still to come in the shape of the Fantastic Four. Maybe they'll uh, be bringing out the Eternals uh, to tie in with the movie. But how do you feel about the appeal of the releases going forward? Now, there's a, a wealth of X-Men as well to dig into. But in terms of new affiliations that are coming out, do you think we're going to see a plateauing? Or do you think that we're going to keep seeing more and more and more as we go through? Um AJ, given that you're not a very uh, into Marvel, I'm really keen to get what you, because from someone who doesn't have all this deep knowledge about things, let's get your view first. Look, every time I have to research a new character, there just seems to be an infinite universe of affiliations and characters. And you look up a character on Wikipedia and they've got like all these teams that they were associated with. So I don't feel like they're going to run out of anything anytime soon. Maybe my Look, yeah, my question maybe wasn't phrased well enough. Then you're right; they're absolutely not going to um, run out of teams. But there are a very small niche of people who are going to be very excited when the Star Jammers come out, for example. <laughs> um, but I'm excited by all of it, right? <laughs> yeah, sure, but uh, <laughs> yeah. No, look, I, I get what you're trying to ask. Um, maybe I look. I think the appeal for this game: you're either a fan. You're not a fan. You're a gamer. It appeals to such a broad audience. There's always going to be something for everyone, whether it's an obscure character that I now have to go read a comic book for because, you know, that I'm using this game as my comic reading series. <laughs> or I don't know. Like it, it, I think someone else will probably answer this more eloquently, but it, 
there's just so much to Marvel, right? It's nostalgia. It's been going since what the sixties, seventies, fifties. There's there's years. There's years of stuff to tap into here, and everyone's got something that they want to see, whether it's from a fan point of view, from a I want to see what the most ridiculous character they'll bring out, <laughs> Leather Boy. Um, it's yeah, it, they've just got so much to go for. Yeah, let's go to the opposite end of the spectrum. Jesse, I'll go to you on this one. This is a hard question. It's very hard. And Marvel's been around a really long time. 1939, so we had Captain America shortly after that. So it's tough. I would say it maybe it'll plateau this year a little bit comparatively to this year, 2021, because I think this was the year of new affiliations. I mean, here in the US, we still don't have several new models. And when we get those new models, we'll have four new affiliations here in the US. I, mean, I know some are like Hulk busting, like Hulk busting Avengers, but it's like, it's still a new affiliation. So maybe next year's the year they slow down and they focus more on characters and fleshing out those affiliations and things like that. So we can uh, only just be excited, you know, because more characters, just more characters. But I, w- I would like to see maybe more fleshing out of the affiliations we have, because there are so many now. That's pretty interesting thought. Alexa. Um, so it's, it's a question of how you quantify a new affiliation because it's it's do we count a new affiliation uh, as something that's brand new or do we count secondary leaders? And I, if if I had to go with my gut, I think this upcoming year is going to be the year of secondary leaders. Um, I think we aren't going. We're going to. I think we, I would not be surprised if we get a couple new affiliations. Um, the one that's been sticking out in my head just because of how it's getting treated in other game spaces um specifically other tabletop spaces is getting a shield affiliation mm-hmm. um just because shield as kind of an organization has been getting pushed in like the marvel villainous games and a couple other places here and there um so i would not be surprised if, if they come out and there's enough characters in there with class actions of existing places that it would not surprise me but i think the main focus this year is going to be getting those secondary leaders out there and, and giving variety, especially to the small affiliations like Asgard and Wakanda. Um, and it's depending on how you count those will really depend on what you if you feel it's plateaued or not. I think we're going to get the same number of new leaderships across next year, but I think a lot of them will be confined into existing affiliations as secondary leaders. Seven. Actually, that's a, that was a really good point about the secondary leaders because that's one way to really freshen up some of the old affiliations. Uh, I think we'll probably still see a fairly large like amount of new affiliations. There's a lot of uh, sort of big ones, like, like earlier I said, Fantastic Four. That's one that's missing in a way. Uh, I think we'll keep seeing them for the next little bit, and then maybe once they sort of run out of the main ones, we'll see what the movies have in store and then kind of capitalize on that. Danny? Yeah, I think that... You know, there's plenty that they can still go with. And even if players don't know the lore, they're not familiar, they don't care about the lore, they can still get really excited about the new affiliation and who is on that new team. It's all very exciting. I think fleshing out the current affiliations would be a great move on their part in the coming year. And definitely, like Lexa said, those secondary leaders that can completely revamp. Like, look at Sam Wilson Avengers. That took, like, huge leaps in popularity for the initial affiliation that some people felt was kind of getting stale. And then you just add in a secondary leader, boom, you have something, like, brand new, essentially. So I think that any of those things um, 
could really keep things very exciting, even if they don't necessarily come out with new affiliations. Aaron? Yes. Yeah, so um, when I was young, comics weren't such a huge thing then. Um, neither were a lot of like the 90s X-Men um, TV series or anything. So um, my Marvel knowledge is very specific to the movies a lot and then sort of things that I've branched off based on interest, such as, you know, symbiotes. Um, you guys, I didn't mention that. But um, it, it's quite hard to answer this question. In terms of what I'd like to see, I think a, a really good move from AMG would be if the, not only do we keep branching out with these new affiliations, which I'm sure they will do, but if they added some new leaders that weren't secondary leaders, they were sort of leaders for their own faction, but they didn't add necessarily new models to the game, or maybe just one or two new models. Look, I think Cabal is desperately in need of a leader that pulls together some of the more not out there, but the less known heroes like Omega Red and Cassandra Nova, I feel like they could really do with an affiliation of their own. I mean, as I said, I don't think they need to bring out like waves of new characters to do this. I think one leader with maybe another model and then just a list of who can go in there would be really cool. Um, I think that's the beauty of Marvel. There's that many different storylines um, and branches in the multiverse and whatnot that you can just add one model who sort of, bands together these characters that don't seem to fit and then suddenly you've got this whole like, all new, all different affiliation. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So it's, um, oh, I think it's going to be good to see them adding all these new things and I definitely think they will carry on. As Jesse said, we, this year might have been the year of new affiliations and as Lexa said, next year might be the year of secondary leaders. But I'm just optimistic we get lots of new things, to be honest. And Dave? Yeah, uh, I totally agreeing here with... Uh... But Aaron, I mean, uh, looking at the, what have they, what they've been doing for the last two years, I, I don't expect them to change much in it. I think we will see new affiliations come out. I really hope they, they flesh out uh, some of the, uh, affiliations that don't have that many models. Uh, I mean, Black Order needs some love. We think we all agree on that. So <laughs> they need, they need more stuff. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, if you look at the, the Avengers bar, uh, 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 lineup and the Cabal lineup, they have lots of models and I would love to see every affiliation be, uh, be fleshed out, uh, like they, they, uh, like they are. Uh, I, I mean, I, I do not know much about the lore. I, I guess some affiliations can't be that big, but, uh, I would love to see, uh, at least a couple of new leaders uh, in uh, in some affiliations, and uh, yeah, I can't wait to see what what the, the future will bring for new affiliations. Brilliant! All right, guys. Well, uh, I've got through all of the things I wanted to talk about. Were there any topics any of you wanted to to bring to the group? No? Okay. Well, then, yeah, Danny. I was just going to say, since we're talking about affiliations and affiliation list, do we think? What is your opinion on like what is an ideal? size of an affiliation if it even exists like ideally how many how many characters would you have to choose from in an affiliation that you think would make it optimal that is a great question which i'm going to bounce straight back to dave (laughs) all right um i would probably say at the minimum maybe six or maybe it's a few six seven eight i think that would be a perfect size because then you're not always locked into these Three core characters that are, if you're looking from a competitive side, they're always the best. So you take these three and the other, the other two that are left are obsolete. You know, you're never taking them. Uh, and with, with, like, if you have eight and, and, uh, at least a few options in the, in the point values, I think you can, you can be uh, flexible enough to have at least a good core of those characters and flesh them out with 
all the other models that are, that are there. And if you are, you're a player that wants to run one affiliation and no other models, then at least you have enough to choose from with, with seven or eight. So I think that would be a perfect number too. And so it's a great point about single affiliation players, which I guess leads me into Aaron. Yeah, so um, I was actually going to say, I think if we look at what the Web Warriors currently have, I think that's a really, really healthy structure. Um, I was playing back when it was Miles, Gwen and Venom, and now I find myself with like Moon Knight, who I love, Black Cat, um, Amazing Spider-Man. I think if if we look at their sort of breakdown, that's that's what a good affiliation spread looks like, I think. With the addition of, say, a two-threat and maybe a big uh, seven- or eight-threat model, obviously that's not doable for all affiliations, but that sort of roadmap where you've got one two-threat, a few three-threats, a couple of four-threats, uh, one or two five-threats, I think that's sort of the perfect place. It's hard to put a definitive number on it just because it does vary. I mean, you look at Asgard, they've got a higher end of threat values, and you look at um, Cabal, you've got a huge threat, but I think... Roughly what the Web Warriors look like now with maybe a couple more, that's a good number. And I'm really disappointed that I can't think exactly how many Web Warriors there are. I think there's nine or eight or something like that. Well, I'd have to pick you up because there'll be people screaming at you that you forgot Peter Parker, Corset Peter Parker. Get him, I just didn't feel the need to mention him. <laughs> I think we forgot. Even though I love Daredevil. I think we forgot uh, Matthew Murdock is who we forgot. So <laughs> yeah, Daredevil, I mean. Seven. Yeah, I think like I think seven characters where I'd sort of be the minimum where I feel comfortable. But for me, I think the main thing is having at least one two-thread character available in there to really uh, – it helps patch up so many points values for you. So for me, like if you have a two, you have a couple threes, couple fours, maybe one or two fives, I think I'd feel comfortable as long as that all fits within like six or seven. I'd be happy with that. Next up. So I actually wanted to directly contest the idea that every affiliation needs the two threat. I actively think the affiliations that don't need two threats because the challenge of them is the fact that they are expensive. I don't think Asgard or, Asgard or Black Order need two threats. I think they will be it will be actively bad for the game if the expensive expensive affiliations that are designed around being expensive and having to work around their point values get a two threat. And so I. Th- think that we need to kind of throw away the idea that every affiliation needs a two threat because I think that would be actively bad for the game. Let me flip that round then, Lex. So how about every affiliation should have a six threat? I I would... L- I, I, how do I face this? Well, I would <laughs> love that. I am of the position that having uniformity across affiliations would only get boring. I think different affiliations require different things because they are somatically different. And to instill this idea that there is a perfect affiliation that every affiliation should strive by is ignoring that each affiliation should have its own individual strengths and weaknesses and should be designed around those strengths and weaknesses. Good points. Jesse? And also, to pick up where Alexa left off, maybe it's not just the number of models. Maybe it's just a representation of three threats. You know, it's one of those things like here at Fury's Finest, we're huge fans of the X-Men through through lore and stuff. And I think the X-Men are potentially in the future are going to get more threes and that's going to open up a whole new play style for x-men we've never seen because if x-men get more threes that's just a different scenario because they have a lot of fours and things so 
I like Lex's idea a lot of just basing it around the lore and the balance within the self-contained team. Cause something I always talk about with new players and just on the show is like, we get fixated on the leaderships and how good the leaderships are, but really the makeups of the teams and the threat levels of the models and the teams, that's really the affiliation. You know, the leadership's like just this extra, very nice icing on top of that. But I think it's one of those things like who makes up the team that is unique to this affiliation topic and lexa mentioned asgard they have a lot of unique things going on that only they have they are high threat models as aaron mentioned earlier and they have a feel we can't dilute them too much you know we can't add a lot of things that don't make sense within their team because that is their identity so i have faith that amg will find ways to keep all that balanced really is the biggest thing because it is neat that asgard and black order have less models it is one of those things i think it's really neat so fingers crossed for supergiant one day for black order but (laughs) That's me as a Marvel fan. That's not really me analyzing this meta and stuff. But I don't know. I, I think what we have is good. And if this is the year of getting more models for our affiliations and more secondary leaders, even if they're niche things like the Hulk busting Avengers, I am very excited about that. Because I think when you start bringing multiple leaders in your list, the turn zero gets really fun. And I'm not even talking about competitive. I'm just talking about fun. Like yeah, you know, Switch out your leader. Hey, Jay. I'm not sure I have much more to add. Everyone else has said what needs to be said. Yeah, I think some of the affiliations, I'm thinking maybe of Wakanda here, could do with a few more characters, particularly if we're going to see a 22 threat crisis. Uh, I think there could be some list building difficulties there. So I think four is probably a little, uh, on those five, isn't it, with Storm? But still, five feels a little bit on the low side. (laughs) So I think a baseline of, I think I'd probably say a baseline of seven, I think it would be a minimum I'd want to see. But um, then would I Wakanda think- play at 22? That they, they do well down at the lower end, right? That's, that's their specialty. Maybe you've built your roster uh, so that you're playing something else. But I think we always want to keep having mono-affiliated for, for players like Aaron, who only ever want to play Web Warriors. Um, having the ability to do that and still being able to do it at the range of threats that they are, uh, that they're asking us to play at. So I think there's kind of a, uh, a, a lower limit of what you'd want to have. Uh, Jesse. And furthering that discussion, I think Wakanda is a good example, though they are very strong because they can build teams at such low threats. I think it's more interesting to have more affiliated models from a lore and thematic point of view. And that's one of the things I think that's kind of plagued the TTS league, in my opinion, that's been not so great is like, oh, Enchantress is everywhere, you know, rather than oh, every time someone's playing Asgard, they're probably playing Enchantress. Like those are the ways we want to lean. So it's like, yes, I completely agree with that. If Wakanda got more Wakandan pieces and Wakandan people, that's only great for the game, in my opinion. I'd love to see mainly an affiliation on the team and maybe a splash character or two rather than this sort of like, oh, I have three affiliated and two unaffiliated every time sort of thing, because, you know, it's neat to see all of one team together. And I'm sure, you know, Aaron web warriors, if you go all web warriors, that would be the dream. Cause I'm a web warrior player as well. If I could just only go web warriors, but right now we don't have enough models to do that. Speaking of which, Aaron, you want to come in? Yeah. I just wanted to say, um, obviously we've mentioned 20, Oh, just quickly, have we lost someone or is that? Yeah. Dave's dropped out. Uh, I'm sure he'll try and rejoin us if he can. Oh, okay, cool. Um, so yeah, just quickly, um, we've mentioned 22 threat missions. Going above 20 threat is something that I personally am not a huge fan of the idea just because sort of, as Jesse was saying, I think it might really start to put a stretch on 
keeping a lot of affiliated characters. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily what Jesse was saying himself, but for me, going above 21, 22 for it, I think then you will sort of have to, you'll have to lean on sort of rogue agents or just more an affiliated model. Um, as somebody that purely plays one affiliation, the idea of trying to stay affiliated at 22 frets is a bit bonkers. I think it's sort of like, it's doable, of course. Uh, Man, those all webbed up turns are going to be great. Yeah, it'd be crazy to have like seven models doing all webbed up, wouldn't it? But yeah, so I just wanted to say, I know it's not really the topic we're on at the minute. Um, at least from my perspective, 22 fret or even 21 fret, anything above 20. I don't know if that would necessarily be good for the game, although I could 110% see why people would want that in terms of bringing Hulk, Hulkbuster, She-Hulk, and uh, a six fret, you know, just a, a four <laughs> fret, sorry, just a bonkers list, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I've, I've played the Thanos, Hulk, and She-Hulk list, that's fun. Um, Danny, if I fire your question back to you, have you got any thoughts about what uh, an ideal affiliation size might be? I mean, I think that a lot of great points were made where Asgard, typically those models are like, that's my number two list that I like to run. Typically you do have higher level threat levels there. So I don't know that they necessarily need more characters to choose from. It would be great to have variety, but I kind of agree with Lexa that that's an affiliation where I feel like a, like two points that doesn't make a lot of sense for Asgardians. But I do think that like seven, seven to 10, is a nice sweet spot for variety, especially depending on, you know, what type of game you're trying to play. Um, I think that would be a really good number, but I loved this discussion. Thank you all so much for humoring me with that question. Uh, I think the only thing I'd add is, and, and this is not a problem AMG have had, and I don't see them having this problem, but making sure that the characters feel different enough. You don't want two people who are just going to sit at the back and shoot. Having one of those in your affiliation is fine. And having one in a different affiliation also fine. But having like two or three that have a similar role within the team, I think that you're, you're going to end up thinking, I like this one better, and you're not going to end up taking the other one. They're not going to feel unique and special. That would be the only caveat I would add. Uh, another opportunity, if any of you want to throw something out for the group to discuss. Um, I wanted to quickly bring up a, th- a thing that I wanted to have to kind of start a conversation in the community as a whole as content creators about how we talk about characters because i find it for a game with a curve so flat um and and what i mean by that to people who don't know is is the distance between the worst character in the game and the best character in the game is really close together they're not on top of each other and and uh i think it was pagani it might have been chick was talking about when he uh, interviewed, uh, when Richmond interviewed him, about how it's never their intention to make it a flat line. They, It's interesting because there is distance between the good and the bad, but they also want it close enough that the good, can, uh, the bad can always compete with the good. For how close that curve is, when people talk about characters, they make it seem like the curve is like this. And I think that can be rather disingenuous and discouraging to new players who want to play their favorite character mm, i think that's a good point um <clears throat> i go sever because you've got a slightly more maybe competitive focus and we do tend yeah. to characterize in the competitive community and sort of the good and the bad have you, have you got a <laughs> want to come in on that i do i, I do have at times a sort of a more of a yes or no approach to some characters i'm like oh, this character doesn't quite fit what i'm looking for them to do so i kind of put them in like the downward the negative bucket 
Mm-hmm. And I might sometimes call them be like, oh, this is a bad character. But necessarily, it's not 100% true. Like, even Winter Soldier has his uses. And especially now, like, for a while, for the longest time, it was a character that I was just like, why would I buy this box other than for Vision? Because Winter Soldier is kind of like, he is not doing anything for me. But even now, with the, I think, like, with with Falcon, for example, a lightly different affiliation, the cars that couple of Winter Soldier raises value. I think it's important to look at a character not just at the current snapshot. I mean, you could always look at him and say, hey, he's not great right now, but AMG has shown that they're willing to add and sort of change stuff up that will raise value over time for a lot of the characters. Yeah, Aaron? Yeah, I just wanted to say um, I think that is a hugely important aspect to bear in mind is that because of this sort of core fundamental of the game that anyone can go with anything and you can have anyone on any team. Um, it's, it is very important to look at each character as sort of not a work in progress, but sort of like not a static piece. And I think the best example is Crossbones. So I'd never seen Crossbones on the table. I'd never seen him played. I hadn't even built mine. Um, you know, he was, he was really regarded as just, uh, I don't want to say trash tier, but that's what I saw a lot of people saying about him. Um, and then, well, we got Sin with her leadership and obviously her, her husband and wife mechanic and we also got illicit tech. So I think it is really important that when talking about characters, people bear this in mind and don't look write things off as are. You, you're never going to use them. I think every character at some point will either see, see it's five seconds of fame or see a mechanic that brings it to light or say a particular crisis where something that they can do that you hadn't really thought about suddenly comes to bear and it, it it, that's the great thing about it. You know, as I said, Crossbound is a great example. I think Bullseye is going to be another great example with the changes we've got coming. I think we're going to see him a lot more where, again, we just hadn't seen him before. And I think, although we might not see another huge wave of errata and changes, we should definitely be on the lookout for an actively moving and changing. Um, again, I don't like the word an actively moving meta. Like, I've, I've, I've played quite competitively and I've got to admit, I've, I think, I've played, I've played 15 events and I've been in the final for 14 of them. And I don't think there's been any one where it's been like, oh, this is what I played last week. And I think that's a hugely important thing to remember. Although it might seem at one point there's a definitive matter. I really don't think there is. And I've took Web Warriors and made them work. You know, they've, they've got a lot of great tools recently, but before that I was running them and making them work. So I think it's important to remember that Every character, although it might not seem so like straight cut and divided, every character's got play. I mean, me and Alexa did a podcast episode about the Punisher, and I think it's mm. definitely viable. It's definitely doable, you know, even in a competitive sense. Um, Sever said, obviously, Winter Soldier doesn't do much, and he doesn't at the minute, that, but that's fallen because I reckon he will at some point. And it's important to bear in mind there's so many things I could add or release that we don't know. Maybe they will at some point, maybe, you know. Six months from now, everyone will be taking Winter Soldier and everyone will be saying how OP he is, you know? Jesse, you want to come in? Yeah, what a great topic to bring up, Lexa, because I, I do think this is an issue just in gaming communities in general. I think we have to watch ourselves. 
because some of us do play at high levels and competitively. But I think always being positive, always being inclusive. And then, of course, recognizing the thing I said earlier, every model in this game is someone's favorite mm. character. That's very important to me. I think that's very important. We treat all the characters with respect to that in mind, though, you know, they might not fit your team or your play style. That's a different discussion. And I think the good distinction is keeping those things weighted. You know, it's not like saying this character is bad and end of story. Like, I think it's balancing it all out. And, you know, Aaron brought up good points. Like, Crossbones was already a scary model when used correctly, but then he got new cards and a new affiliation. And now he's, that's where he lives in that team. So it's something that we just have to watch what we say, especially as content creators, because I don't want to dissuade anyone from picking up any model and playing their favorite character in this game. But also, too, you know, just I think sometimes we get in ruts, like we get comfortable with models. And I think it's good just to throw a Punisher on your team, switch out a three threat for a Punisher and play the game and you realize that not only were you holding back your play, but you also were holding back, more importantly, your fun. And, you know, if you worked on your Punisher model or you'd never played with Punisher before, well, now that's changed and hopefully change your perspective. Danny, if I come to you? I think it largely comes down to personal experience with a character where, like, Winter Soldier is not hugely popular and a lot of people don't take him. I've always had success with him every time I've run him on a list. I love him. He does great work for me. I just figured out a spot to put him in and it was great. Whereas I am out of the ordinary in that way. So everyone has a different experience with each model. I think it really comes down to, to your play style where I am not a finesse player. Like I said, I love playing as guardians. I have never taken Loki and I probably never will. Not because he's a bad character. He doesn't have a bad build. That's just not the kind of style of play that I'm looking for that I feel comfortable with. So I think, especially when we're trying to get new people into this game, it's a lot of talking about what are their goals? How do they want to play? And who do they love? Like Jesse said, every character is someone's favorite character. So who do you love? Build your list around that. And then just go and have fun. Like it doesn't, I don't think that any of the characters are bad per se. Some of them need tweaking. Some of them need reworking, but at the end of the day, it's just what kind of experience do you as a player want to have? Alexa, you want to answer your own question? I, I wanted to play off a point that uh, Danny brought up, which is um, personal experience with a character I can think can overcome the gap of any mechanical change in it. And I think that's something that's not brought up enough in the community. Um I, I will go back to a metaphor that I had back when Green Goblin was, as many put him bad, but I just found him, but as I put it, the brick wall of a learning curve. Um, because he was, he, he didn't have any easy answers, but he was still powerful once you learn how to play around the fact that he didn't have any easy answers. And I think even the worst character in this game can compete against a fully competitive list with just that player experience. And I think that's something as people, as, as content creators, we need to, to recognize and encourage because I think specialist players are some of the most exciting in a community. Uh, AJ, I know you don't create content, but you've probably consume a good deal of it. So I'm interested to hear your take on this. Oh, look, I, I agree with Lexa. It's, it's all about languaging. It's all about don't tell someone they can't play something because you wouldn't. Like, that's often where I get a bit angry. My, my thing is I always pick a character and just sort of learn to play it. So, for example, 
wasp. I got given wasp in a draft and then I was like, I have no idea how to play this. And I stuck with her for a while now. And I don't think anyone can play wasp quite like I can. Um, I mean, Lexa, Lexa and I did an entire podcast about this, but <laughs> it, it, it's about that, that special, you're right. That specialist knowledge is much more exciting. I'd rather watch someone play Winter Soldier well and not necessarily win, but I'm more interested in watching that game than seeing a Hulkbuster versus Hulkbuster face off. Like, we know Hulkbuster's good, right? <sighs> Aaron, you want to come back in? Yeah, I just wanted to quickly say again, just to um, reiterate the point that Lexa uh, has made about the specialist players. I think it is such a negative experience to have someone tell you you play something wrong. I don't think anyone should tell anyone, um, not just content creators, I don't think anyone has the, the right or should feel that they can tell someone that they play something wrong. I had someone turn around to me at an event, at the start of the event, and was like, oh, that, it, you you should change your Web Warriors Ross. That that's not a good Ross. That's not what you should take. And it was like, man, what do you mean? I won the event, and it was like, see, like you shouldn't say these things because you don't know how people are going to play them. Um, my friend John, for example, he plays X Men. X Men, I don't think they're bad, but it seems everyone else regards them as bad. And I think the reason I don't think they're bad is because John is very good. So I mean, he's gone like four and zero and three and zero with X Men. Um, mm. and he's not like the, the great thing about John is he's the thematic Marvel guy like I've never known someone know so much about a certain topic and John just knows everything about all things Marvel I think it's it, we should really encourage that if people like a character or like an affiliation it doesn't matter what the meta says or what you know the overwhelming majority might be saying and I think we should also all actively co- not well, yeah, call it out. If, if you see someone else saying that, be like, look, man, look, let him play his thing. You know, um, I get asked it loads and loads and loads of why do I run Web Warriors the way that I do? And it's like, that's just how I do it. And I like it. And I think by encouraging that, we'll, we'll discover more really niche builds, more really specialist teams, more really interesting players. And again, that, that ties into what I was saying earlier about you never really know what state a character's in because not every player has tried them. Do you know what I mean? So mm. every ca- every character's got the potential to suddenly be like, oh, in this crisis, this guy goes insane or, you know, this model will be bonkers. And I think it's really important to just not dissuade that and maybe even encourage people to just play what they want and not worry about listening to people that think they have the right to dictate how to play. Or the, you know what I mean? Just Just play what you want to play. And, you know, I'm sure anyone can do really well with anything. Sorry to just go off on a tangent. I just think that's how it should be. It's a really good point, though. AJ, you want to come back in? Um, um, Got a bit lost there. Um, I think the difference between a good player and a great player, a good player spends hours practicing and is phenomenal, like can turn on a dime and win anything. A great player is someone who absolutely loves and adores the pieces that they're playing with and will will make the most out of them no matter what mm-hmm. they are. I mean, you've you've probably all met Fastnick, right? He's our X-Men champion down here. And I tell you what, any game that he's playing, I want to watch because he just cares so much about the pieces he's playing with versus someone else who's spent. And, you know, and this, this isn't to pick on anyone, but you know what? We all, we all find fun in a different place and you need to acknowledge that. 
I think it's also important to remember uh, this is based on dice rolls. So I have seen some games where there is one player who absolutely should have won, but their dice rolls that night were trash and they didn't win. They still had a great time. Like AJ said, they were a great player because they loved what they were doing. But, you know, that line of good and bad, it all comes down to the dice rolls. Uh, Dave, I don't think I've come to you on this yet. Um, no, but um, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, a lot of st- stuff has been, been said already, but I think uh, sometimes we fall in the trap of, I'm Dutch, so this resonates with me a lot, but uh, we as a Dutch have strong opinions and you don't have, I think we have to look out for um, formulating opinions as facts, right? Because um, I see a lot of things put out there that are more of an opinion than a fact but that because that's how online works if if something gets thrown out there some people will repeat it and especially if you're a content creator people yeah uh, often uh, uh, if they're not too much into the game they trust your word for it and when the opinion gets formulated as a fact uh, and a lot of people will t- take that uh, take that up then some it will become a uh, uh, sort of false reality. And uh, I think that's a trap that we have to uh, look out for. And uh, uh, like, like, like you said, um, a lot of models are viable. Um, uh, and sure, there are going to be more viable in maybe another affiliation, but they're still viable. Uh, I think that, that almost any model you can make, you can make, make work. So, yeah. Yeah. Jesse? Yeah, and I just think we have a unique opportunity with this game. Like we mentioned, every character is someone's favorite character. But then you take that one step further and you can bring any character into any list. It's a unique thing that this game has that I've never experienced in any Mentors game I've played. So I think it's just important that we watch what we say with that, really. And that's what everyone's touched on here, because you could go unaffiliated with your favorite characters if you really wanted to. And that's pretty neat. And it's pretty unique to this game. And I think you get a lot of value out of your models that way, too. Yeah, and I think we probably hold our hands up. We probably have been guilty of this a bit on the Danger Room when we do our hot takes. Uh, very often, it comes down to they seem good, fine to good in their affiliation, uh, or at least one of their affiliations. But I guess uh, in the past, we have been guilty of saying, yeah, I don't, I don't see a place for this character, and I can see how that might be exclusionary. So thank you, Lex. That's a really good point, and I'll certainly personally be taking that on board in the future. Uh any any other points we want to bring up? Yeah, Lexa? Um, so on a completely different subject, I do want to shout out a member of our community, which is Rich Mid Gaming, um, and his 27-hour charity live stream. Um, mm. I think it's really important to highlight the work that not only we do for our community, but we do to support other communities. Um, and I, I I wanted to shout him out specifically here since, since he is not here this uh, with us this year. Um, for his great work and his support of important causes and using the community to support other communities, which I think is something excessively important as a community for us to do, because we are not in a, we, we are not isolated by ourselves. We are not an island. We, we interact with these communities so much and it's important that we all support each other. Absolutely. And I've got a, a lot of respect for Rich and, and what he's been doing. And Aaron, you were part of that as well. As Dave, were you in there as well? Yeah, yeah. A few of us took part in that. Uh, a really great event. So thanks again, Lex, for uh, bringing that one up. Uh, just a little subject. I don't know if anyone's even interested in talking about this. 
something that hasn't been touched on a lot. Um, I think all the new changes, I genuinely think all of them are great. Are there any new changes you think weren't that great, anyone? I just thought I'd ask whilst we have so many different people to ask, and Alexa mentioned it earlier. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Dave, <laughs> anything that your beloved Black Order had taken away from them? Have they... Is anything taken away from them? A bit of flexibility on the gems, haven't you? I don't, I don't like that, they, that they're nerfing the time gem. I mean, thing was balanced. It's fine. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. No, there's not, not much. The, the only thing that I don't like maybe in this game, that's not something that's been changed, but that's like the 14-point threat. I think it's too too much of a tight squeeze and it forces list building a bit too much. Uh, so it, I would like to see that go on the lower end. But overall, I'm just happy with this game and I don't know, it's not much that I don't like, I, if anything at all, actually. Yeah, just want to quickly, oh, sorry, yeah. just uh, want to quickly say a lot. Um, I didn't bring that up so that anyone, I don't want to, I'm not trying to be critical of the game, I was just genuinely curious. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, oh, I think okay. it's great. We will answer the question in the spirit it's meant. Um, AJ. Oh, um, it's, it's, look, I, I, you're never going to love absolutely everything about a game. I've already said before, I really don't like those really feels bad moments where you can do absolutely nothing to counter it, but they're few and far between. Uh, Seba. Well, my beloved Mordok got hit, so I wasn't happy with that. <laughs> but uh, over, like, I can see why it was why it why it was changed. I think uh, for me, it's more like we missed. Like we already went over all of the Cabal changes, but like, we kind of skipped over Red Skull, and I think he's kind of fallen behind a little bit. I would have liked to see him get one minor touch up somewhere. I'm not sure where, but I think there's a couple of characters that maybe should have been addressed that weren't. That's my only think complaint. Uh, Jesse. Well, I don't have much to add to this because the team I played the most in this game was the Guardians of the Galaxy, and one of the models I used the most was the Hulk. So I guess my refs will pay off. And same with Green Goblin. So and Green Goblin just feels so good off of just two simple changes. It's, it's absolutely incredible. And I love how the dial can just be tweaked like that. It's it's a big deal. But I think the biggest issue for Spider-Foes all along was just not having enough models, and that's been clearly fixed. So I'm very excited to play with everything new because my goal is to have every game be close you know even when i'm playing at my most competitive i want my opponent to be playing close to me too so i don't want somebody to be punished if they're playing guardians for instance against something i'm playing like spider foes i want it to be up to the wire and i think these are all positive for that so far so we will see what more we get in the future but i'm very excited because a more balanced game and characters that are brought in line is only good for the game and good for excitement because, you know, if your favorite character was Star-Lord, for instance, and the Guardians were considered lower tier, hopefully that's changed now, at least at least the perception and you're not afraid to play them because Rocket and Groot have always been good. I've been playing them everywhere, but the small changes, I love those. Mm, they're so nice. The small, small tweaks. Alexa? So, uh, first, I want to directly counter the bl- uh, Red Skull slander that's been happening here. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I secretly think Red Skull is one of, like, maybe the fourth or fifth best four threat out of affiliation. Um, because he has an unsized restricted throw and something unique where he can redirect attacks into other characters that were directed at him rather than a bodyguard. And it allows him to force attacks into characters that you want to get attacked in a really interesting way. Um, the Venom Red Skull combo is so much fun, and I highly recommend people try it out. 
Um, so I think I I think he just needs uh he he I don't think he's been left behind. I think he just has a lot of untapped potential that people haven't talked about. As for the original question, um, I am actually the one that really kind of irked me, and I knew it was coming from a mile away. Was the change to the Guardians of the Galaxy leadership? I liked having an affiliation where a tactics card was a cost because it allowed me as a list builder to play silver bullet cards that may or may not come up in the game. Um, mm. Where if they do come up, they are win the game good, but if they don't come up, you, you aren't actively punished for playing it because you can use them for something else. And I think now with that gone, I'm not as likely to play a bunch of cards that I was playing in Guardians. And I... And I with the only place that I was playing those cards being Guardians, I feel like it's a little bit of lost potential for room to play those cards. Totally understand that. Danny? I have to agree with AJ. I wouldn't mind seeing less of the there's nothing that you can do about this. You're being punished for playing the game. Um, I'd like to see more of that. And for me personally as a player, this didn't come up, but the way that they changed the gems and how they're tied to one character, I feel like that really stifles um, people where before it was you could tag it onto whomever. Now with that, it seems like it's a little bit strong arming and it'll be interesting to see how that affects how many people are taking gems and which characters they're tying them to. Mm, I think it's difficult to get that right, isn't it? With the Mm -hmm. fact that someone like Thanos... Does if you don't make him take roster slots anymore, doesn't he just bring all six of them? Maybe that's part of the rationale. And when he, they did take roster slots, that was also stifling list building because it meant there were right. slots he couldn't. So it's kind of a lose-lose, and maybe this was the least bad option they could come up with. But I totally understand your point. Uh, Aaron, what about you? Is there any changes that you look at it and you're like, hmm, wish, wish they hadn't done that, or I wish they'd done that differently? Um, I've just realised I asked this question and didn't really think about it myself. Um, <laughs> so, I, like I said, I'm really happy with all of the changes. Um, they've said that they're not updating a couple of things that I think maybe need looking at, such as the X Men, because you know they did explicitly say in one of the streams that they're not they're not being updated. Um, I don't mean like the entirety of the X Men, because I, like I said, I think they're actually really good. I think. Just store, uh, not store. I'm sorry, Cyclops and Wolverine maybe needed looking at a little bit, just for a little tiny bit of extra oomph because they're not I bad. See, Lex are already about to leap in, but yeah. carry on. <laughs> I don't yeah. think I don't think they're bad in any way. Look, I actually think Cyclops is a really nice splash um, out out of affiliation for threat if he's got the space room. Um, I just think maybe they both need a little something, a little push in the right direction in terms of the changes that we have seen. Um, the Valkyrie change is interesting because I 110% agree with the throw being free threat, uh, free power, sorry. But the flurry on her, I, I, I don't know. I feel it needs some kind of balancing, but I think maybe if it was a wild and a hit rather than a wild and a crit, just because it feels quite difficult to get off. But again, a hit's a very common dice roll. Maybe if everyone just got like Corvus had the wild and the shield, that would be um, a lot more interesting. Add another mechanic to the game. Like I said, I think they've done everything really well. That's just one little thing that gave me a moment of pause and a moment of thought. I know, obviously, Lex is going to jump on and 
skull ahead, Lex. <laughs> yeah, give, give a right of reply to Lexa on defending Cyclops and Wolverine. Yeah. Uh, I, I will 100% defend Cyclops. I think he's a really interesting piece that is a little underutilized. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wolverine, uh, I have... Wolverine is one of the characters that I don't have a shine for, but I still think has a place in the world yeah. as he exists. Seva. I just want to touch on Valkyrie real quick. I think she's more of a victim of uh, just an overall change to the game. They kind of felt like uh, all the other characters that had Flurry kind of got hit with the same crit hit change or crit wild change, and I think it's part of AMG's sort of attempt to make less uh, blowouts happen in the game and make it more of a back and forth experience as opposed to like, hey, one turn goes off, you just get completely blown out, and now you have no way back. And that's all of these changes that we've seen on the cards, on the some of the uh, like priority stuff. I think is meant to address that. Yeah. I think as as a maths person, I, I'm I'm pretty certain uh, some of the devs are maths people as well, and I think they looked at the probabilities, and I think it's just bringing it back down towards some of the things like Loki's mesmerize, for example. It's kind of something which you don't bank on, but when it happens, it's, it like feels really good. I think maybe they're trying to take it from a, a reliable or semi-reliable source of additional attacks, which is a very powerful thing in the yeah. game to get uh, extra attacks. Uh, and trying to just bring it down from and reduce that reliability. Um, in terms of the only thing that I'm slightly concerned about is, and I don't have enough uh, enough experience with it yet, but is New Hulk just a tiny bit too good? Yes, I agree with that. I think uh, I think with his uh, with his power building ability now, he's got a seven dice proper builder. Maybe he could have gone down to two innate power every round instead of three. Maybe just, that would have just shave a little inch off here. Just to quickly uh, jump in on that. Sorry, I know you were talking about it, but Yeah, no, cool. You he looks insane, I think. I haven't had a chance to try him out, but I've never really thought of a situation where I'd go, God, I'll give up two free characters for one. Why not? Hulk is sort of the exception to that. One, I love the big green rage machine as uh, as a hero. I thought it was quite a shame that he wasn't taken as much. Um, he's one of the few superheroes that I remember from my childhood. Um, but he looks insane for Six Threat. I know, I know Six Threat's a lot, but I think if you, if you put him on a flank and the rest of your team can deal with the other flank, he, 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 also he can contest with like 10 threat of opposing models, which is, I think, a point somebody made the other day. And I think he's a really, really good investment. I think he might be a little bit too good, but it's going to be interesting to see. And I'm sure. Things like Helios are a good answer to Hulk. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So if, if anyone sees him getting too good, just drop a huge laser on him and it's fine. Sounds like the movies. Um, Lexa. So as someone who has actually played New Hulk, uh, he's fine. Okay. Uh, he, he still has a lot of the same problems that he had before. They're a little less pronounced, so they aren't crippling, but they're still there. He can be controlled out of the game by any advance or any anybody who can push size four can take him out of the game super easily that way. Um, if he's ignored, and then also if he gets targeted down, he can be uh, he he can fall apart even with his new defensive tech and rerolls. It he's still a twenty threat one sided character, so he's very vulnerable to spikes. Brilliant, right? Well, last one last chance. Any other things you want to bring up first to have a bit of a, a roundtable on? Not a topic. Yeah. I just wanted to say a quick thank you for. You know, having me on this um, this sort of panel discussion, I'm sure everyone else will agree it's been really great to jump on <laughs> and meet a lot of new people that are also content creators or support the TTS leagues or 
you know, just people who genuinely love the hobby. It's just been a, a really good experience. Oh, thank you. Uh, why don't we go around one last time and remind uh, if people have enjoyed the what you've had to say today, where can they find more of you? So uh, in reverse order from what we did last time, Lexa. Um, so if you want to find me, you can find me at the Morlocks podcast um, at podbean.com, uh, morlocksmcp.podbean.com, as well as many, many other things not related to Marvel Crisis Protocol that you can hear about at the end of every episode. Danny. Yeah, I'm over at The Professional Casual, uh, theprofessionalcasual.com, and also over on YouTube. That's where we, um, you can find all of our old episodes of Wait Did I Roll Wild or, oh yeah, The Power Phase, and we stream Wait Did I Roll Wild live every Monday on Twitch. Uh, Jesse. You can find me and my podcast at Fury's Finest. That's on all podcast platforms. Once again, we try to create evergreen content for the game. And also, a lot of people that are getting into Marvel through this game, hope you'll enjoy our show because we go into the backstories and the lore of Marvel. So it's it's for Marvel fans and non-Marvel fans alike to get you more enjoyment out of your models when you get them to the table, which is very big for Chris and I, my co-host, because you know we love these characters and we want to love them more and we're learning things that we've never known and... Chris is a lore expert and hopefully you go on the journey with us and enjoy this game more. And you can also find me all over social media doing Marvel Christ protocol things at Jesse Aiken. That's E A K I N. AJ. Uh, season seven is going to hopefully be massive with all these changes. And I'm hoping people, more people will sign up. I mean, we're re- we've been, we've been smashing records each year. So join the league and I can talk to you there. Uh, how would someone do that if they wanted to join the TTS league? Join the Discord, which I'm sure there will be a link on this somewhere. Yep. Um, and then it's it's all self-explanatory from there, and the, the admins post all the time. You'll know what's going on at all times. Just follow the links. Seven. You can find me at the uh, Capital Crisis Cast. We do a podcast usually every Tuesday. Uh, we focus more on the like the game aspects, not so much the lore of Marvel, but we try to do you know discuss, do list discussions, discuss the new models and uh, what we think of them, and uh, every now and then do some re- game reports as well. Dave? Uh, you can find me on the various discords for, uh, for MCP under uh, Utility Cookie. Uh, hit me up if you want to talk uh, tactics or anything uh, MCP related, and you can find, uh, find my articles on uh, Across the Bifrost uh, Nexus. And Aaron? Yes, so um, I have the Web Warrior Protocol site, which I've run. Uh, you can find a lot, well, almost all of my content over there. Um, I have a Facebook page, which is Web Warrior Protocols as well. And then on Twitter and Instagram, I am uh, the 14th underscore Legion, which is a nod back to the Death Guard from uh, 30k. So uh, you can find me on all of those. And lately, I've been popping up on a bunch of uh, podcasts, which I have collected on my site. So if you don't mind my bad accent, you're more than welcome to listen to all of those as well. So yeah, that's where you can find me. Nonsense. You have a charming accent. <laughs> well, guys, thank you so much for being part of this. And oh, we've got a photo bomber in the back there just at the end. And uh, I look forward, hopefully, to engaging more with some of you. And uh, next year, we'll be back, maybe with some of you returning, maybe with an all-different Illuminati. We'll have to see how that goes. But thank you so much for your time, guys. The world has gotten even stranger than you already know. At this point, I doubt anything would surprise me. Ten bucks says you're wrong. 